All right, we ready? Always. I've been ready. Welcome back to another episode Woo! of Dragons and Dread Forts, the ultimate Game of Thrones companion podcast. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling 22. Oh, I'm you beat me to it. Gotcha. 22. That wow. was good. <laughs> um, <laughs> All right. I'm feeling 22 tonight. Um, I don't know about you, uh, but I have a really hard time not just watching this whole fucking show. The next one? Yeah, yeah. Every yeah, time. This hard. one... Yeah. This one's hard. Did you it do it? It just keeps getting harder each time. Did you time. do it? No. That's what she said. No, we stopped. Did you? We stopped. Keith? I stopped. All right. I'm trying to live I, up I think to this the one has podcast. some finality to it. This one has some finality to it to where, uh, you know, it, it, I, it's the aftermath that I was like, oh, oh my God, yeah. I need to see. I don't I care about, to... I mean, I care about the ending, but I want to see what happens after. Well, and we're going to get to it, but pretty early on in the episode, Rob says, and how long till they take till they take his head? And I said this yet last <laughs> night we were watching. And I said about forty minutes. Yeah, <laughs> that's which that's is all you true. Got. Um, yeah, this one. I mean, based on your predictions from the last episode, I wouldn't imagine you saw this coming and ending the way that it did. No, not now at least. Um, no. Also, um, I don't know when we're talking about it, but this was the big spoiler that you did. I, I did. Ago. I did. People have asked. People have asked, and headless, we wanted to. Yeah, we wanted to uh, bring some light to that. One of the the lar- the largest uh, spoiler in the spoiler jar, which it's getting, it's filling up. Um, but but little small notes, except for that one. And people have asked um, what it was, and it was it was headless Ned Stark. You got it. Got you. You're talking about the headless Ned Funko Pop. Which is valued at about a thousand dollars right now. Wow! I just looked. How many gold dragons is that? Uh, about a hundred and forty-seven. Wow! Wow! Okay, you just made that up. <laughs> Math. This is the sound of our of our spoiler jar so far. It's paper. Yep, but I think it picked it up. Yeah, it did. Yeah, we got it. Um, it's just less satisfying than like coins jingling around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I want to know before we get in, did you did uh, does Lauren? Is she tracking with you? Like, did she see any of this coming or did you even know? Uh, I don't think we talked about it. Like, and we haven't talked about the spoiler. So honestly, when you, when we, when you said it, I was like, this is coming at some point seasons Much from like now, Hunter. not within a few episodes. A couple episodes. Yeah. yeah. That's what that honestly it took me by such surprise when I watched the show for the first time. Because Sean Bean is a huge actor. Mm-hmm. Ned Stark seemingly is the main character of Game of Thrones. You know, they, they do a good job. He's of the like, main character of season one. They do a good job of balancing the power and right. balancing the uh, the weight of um, impact that all the characters have. And they're telling to- totally different stories. But you get the feel that like Ned... And it it sounds redundant when you say it because he's the warden of the north, he's the lord of Winterfell, but he is the main storyline in the north, and and the, and all the people there, and everything is kind of about Ned and and his legacy and the people that he's leading and his kids and his family, and like everything is 
wrapped up and tied to the Starks, and he's the household of of you know he's the head of House Stark, and so it it definitely threw me for a loop. Oh, yeah. it, it threw you for a loop too. Yeah, I did not expect that to happen. Well, I'm glad that my spoiler didn't like. I saw it coming. <laughs> <laughs> not the first time. <laughs> but but the ninth time the ninth and tenth time you caught it um, definitely yeah I'm starting to go numb to it a little bit all right yeah the the fifth through the eighth times so I was emotional and and didn't like to watch it and and always hated watching season nine of episode one and um, episode nine, nine of season oh one. yeah sorry episode nine of, of season <laughs> season one. nine of episode one and uh, and now I'm just like. I think I've just I've I've grasped on to other characters now. Yeah. Earlier on when when watching it through, I was I was all about Ned. I still love Ned and you know, still one of my favorite characters, but right. having grasped on to characters like Tyrion and Rob and you know, uh, some other other characters that will that will come. Um I, I Ned is just one that it had to happen. Yeah. It had to happen. Um so I get Well, and there's seven more seasons after this, so there obviously are. This has a ripple effect that that launches us into the entire rest of the show, um, but obviously that's how this one ends. So let's get into uh, the beginning. This title, uh, the title of this episode is Baylor. Uh, it was released on June the twelfth, two thousand eleven. It was written by D and D, so we get both of them writing this one together, um, which is David Benioff and DB Weiss. They are the creators of the show. The showrunners, um, even if they don't direct or specifically write every episode, much like typical showrunners, they're overseeing it all. Much mm-hmm. like John Favreau did with The Mandalorian, he didn't direct every episode, but he's the guy making the decisions. and And for them, which I thought was really interesting, and they've you know done a fantastic job, in, especially in season one, in correlation to book one, is really telling the story um accurately and and really doing a good job i mean there's dialogue that's line for line line for line shot for shot Shot for shot um it it gets away from that later on Um, i mean the show ends up surpassing the book right content that we have um so they kind of at that point have to take the reins and create something new but in this one we've said it before but it's shot for shot it really is like if you watch season one and then you read the first book you're you're basically just reading the what you've already seen, right? Right. Uh, which I thought was a cool experience. It is. Um, I think you get you get more character development in the books because you can because you get yeah. more 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 content, more words on the page, uh, more in these people's heads. Um, but it is shot for shot, line for line. Um, do we have other things to get to before we? I don't uh, think I have anything to apologize for, by the way. <laughs> well, the director I would like to take this opportunity to po- apologize <laughs> to absolutely, to absolutely fucking, fucking no one. No one. Um, the director of this one is a new director that we haven't seen yet, Alan Taylor. Okay. I thought it, I got to thinking about it. It's pretty interesting that you know I, I don't know at what point they decide who's directing what, but all the other directors um, who who have directed different episodes of the show thus far have done multiple episodes. Right, and then for season nine, when there's obviously this is kind of a turning point, pinnacle episode. What episode nine? Episode nine. Um, this, this is a moment when they really decided to bring in someone who hadn't touched the show much. I mean, I'm sure he'd been around and in the conversations and he, you know, knew some of that, but it was interesting that they chose, you know, this pinnacle moment to, to bring in a, a rookie. Everyone's kind of a rookie at this point, but 
with no experience with these actors and with the chemistry and with the shots and like and to I thought that that was an interesting choice. I I wonder if they're all part of the directing staff, uh, but not. But they're they're just giving the the credit like the you know the actual credit in the show to the person who directed the most of that episode because they're filming in a lot of different locations. They're filming in you know the north. They're filming in King's Landing. They're filming uh, on you know in between and like the battle scene and stuff like that. So uh, around the Trident, like those are different filming locations. Right. Um, I believe Croatia was King's Landing, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I believe uh, that either Spain or like somewhere in the, in the hills of Spain or it was, um, was some, was some location. And then Scotland also had some in there. Scotland that might be North of the wall. I don't know, but either way, Scotland was the, the North, like in episode okay. one, like Winterfell. When, when they, when they beheaded right. that guy. Yeah. That was South of the wall, but that was in the wilderness of yeah. the North. And that was in Scotland. So, so I wonder if they're just, cause those direct, that director can't be in all of those places, you know, for the filming of each part. Um, so I wonder if that's what they're doing. I don't know. Um, if you know, call in. Let us know. So do we have other things to get to, though? Well, I I, I asked about Lauren. I, I'm interested to know, like, Emily, she has seen some of the show bits she, and pieces. Like, did she know what was happening? She knew Ned dies because I couldn't have not talked about him for the last the decade. <laughs> so, yeah. Cool. Uh, well, we, we did get a new uh, map place on the uh, intro. Did we? Which was yeah, the twins? The twins, yes. yeah, yep. Because we in the last episode they were just outside the twins. The last that we saw Rob in the north, the northern camp. Mm. Um, but now we get to see the twins, and the, it, it's a cool spot on the map. Mr. Uh, Filch in there, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get uh, to caretaker. Him. Fuck that guy. Um, so I don't have anything else. If you want to jump in, did you have something you wanted to bring up? No, I, I, like I said, I'll take this opportunity to apologize to absolutely, absolutely fucking nobody. Well. All right. Well, we jump in and we open on King's Landing in the dungeon of the Red Keep. We see Ned and Varys again. This, uh, I didn't remember necessarily them having as many scenes together in the dungeons of the Red Keep as they do. What a powerful scene to open the episode with. It really is. We see Varys again. We talked about it last episode, but we see Varys again appealing to Ned not directly, not saying like this is, he's not laying his cards on the table saying this is what I'm trying to do, but you can see him trying to pull a little bit of remorse or willingness to go on with what he says is peace from Ned. We see, um, uh, he talks about every man has a role to play. Uh, he talks about, you know, his backstory and, and traveling with actors. He says, I'm a good actor, my Lord. Uh, Ned says, I want to know what it is. Like, what is it that you want? No games, no tricks, no, no bullshit. Like, what is it that you want? And Varys's answer is peace. I wanted to get your take on that. Like we're getting more Varys. Mm -hmm. I don't, I, I'm interested from your take. Do you feel like we're getting clarity on Varys or do you still feel unknown about him like he has told us now multiple times very explicitly this is what i want this is what i'm serving this is my end goal how do you feel i still think like i still don't know what to think about him but like it's hard to hear him say these things so many times and not give some sort of credence to it like if if he's not actually going for that, maybe at least somewhere inside of him he thinks that that's what he's going for. 
Yeah, and and when you're talking to Ned, who's a who's a prisoner, his life in one way or another is basically over. Either he's going to go to the wall, um, or he's going to die in the dungeon or from some other means. Um, there's really no reason for him to play a character anymore, right? Right. And so that's what he's he's letting someone a rare look uh, into the enigma that is Lord Varys and. You know, lots of people don't know where he came from, don't know if they can trust him, don't know how he, he talks has. About, he yeah. talks about that. He talks about my role on the Master of Whispers. I'm, I'm secret. I'm, I'm conniving. I'm this sly, slick character. But he seems to be kind of laying it all out right there for Ned. Passionately as well. I mean, I want you to serve the realm. Like, he, he's mm-hmm. delivering those lines with a lot of force. And, and you know... Like I said, I just thought I, I watching it back to open an episode with that that large of a of a dialogue between these two major characters. I just I was sitting there just locked in, um, you know, from from the very start, from the very start. So yeah, love this show, love this episode, and except for the end. It's a good way to set the stage for what we later learn happens with you know the unfolding and finality of Ned's storyline is this glimpse in the beginning of like trying to change that outcome, trying to appeal to him. Um, Varys had an interesting line where he was talking about Cersei. He was talking about how I think that she'll let you take the black. Like I think that she'll, if you, if you own up to what she thinks you did, I'm not saying you did it. I'm just saying if you admit what she wants you to admit, whether it's true, not true, what I even talks about laying aside, you know, your, your honor and just doing this thing. Um, he's talking about Cersei. She might let you, you know, live and live out your days on the wall. He says a tame wolf is more used to her than a dead one. Um, and, and he says, I want you to serve the realm. And then Ned has a response that I thought I wanted to kind of bring back to something that I thought was pretty important. We've seen this other character uh, off and on throughout season one so far. And that's John. We've learned a little bit about his backstory He's Ned's bastard. Ned went off to war, brought this baby home. That's caused tension and, and challenge and strife at home with Cat. You know, John has never really fit in because of that, because Cat never really let him. Um, and then we saw this this emotional moment earlier in the show where John's going to take the black, and he and Ned have that last moment together on the road where they're at the crossroad, they're going their separate ways. Ned tells John, you know, we've never talked about your mother. Next time we're together, I'll, I'll talk to you about her. I'll tell you everything you want to know. But I thought, you know, Ned's response to Varys about taking the black and joining the Night's Watch, he, he said in fewer words, like, what kind of existence for a man is that? He said... Um, I think I have it written down. I don't here. know if that's. I don't. He said he's gonna. You know, do I do? He said for a few I, more years of of, of, what? of what? Well, and I the point that I wanted to make, and then I'd love for you to jump in. Is he never? He never addressed that with John. His feeling about the Night's Watch, and I got the I got the feeling, and I you may have a different feeling. Yeah, I got the feeling in this scene that he thinks that that's not an honorable seat it's not an honorable place in the realm 
and he just let John do it. And never, we never saw a moment where he tried to share any of that kind of feeling with John. His response to, to Varys is a few more years of, of what, like what, what kind of existence would that be for somebody? What you have a different take on that? Uh, yeah. My take is, is more from a different perspective is I think he's more talking about, him walking back what is the truth. The truth is that Joffrey is not a true-born son of Robert. The true heir is Stannis Baratheon. Uh, and and Varys is asking him to walk that back. And if you walk that back, you will be allowed to live. And Ned is saying, I would trade... It's not necessarily... I'm not, I don't want to go to the wall because I'm not going to, what am I going to do there? All that kind of stuff. I, I see it more as he says, yeah, I would trade my honor for a few more years of what? And that is like, you know, life in general. He, he explains earlier in that conversation, you grew up with actors, you learn their craft. Well, I grew up with soldiers. I learned how to die a long time ago. And that is, that's, that is Ned. I mean, he's, he is, uh, I'm going to take the honorable path, no matter if that's the easy path or the hard path, whether that ends with me living or me dying, I'm going to take the honorable path. Um, later on in this episode, Maester Eamon asked John, like, hey, if, you're, if, if you know, your, your father was, had to choose between honor and his family, what would he do? And he said he would do what was right. Well, obviously, later on, we see Ned actually does walk it back um, you know, and, and trades it because Varys makes a great point at the end of this scene, which is... Your, your life might not mean anything to you, but what about your daughter's life? Is that some precious thing to you? I, I don't necessarily think it has to do with the Night's Watch being um, not an honorable place or not uh, a, a, a good existence, but more to do with Ned holding to his honor, which being in the dungeon down there, he feels it's justified. He, he, doesn't, he probably doesn't have regrets in that he did the honorable thing. He tried to stand up for... Robert's true legacy. It was not. It's not Joffrey. It's not the the Lannisters. It's the Baratheons. It's it's his his true legacy. He tried to stand up for that, and he found himself in the dungeon. And that that just is what it is. He wants to stay that way. He want, he doesn't want his honor to be, uh, um, you know, blemished by by walking that back. Do you have thoughts on those? Are two obviously different takes on this yeah, minor I scene. I hadn't thought what you minor dialogue. Sorry. I hadn't thought what you had mentioned. I think it's a good point that you bring up and like that could be what he was talking about, but I felt it was more like in his situation, he was like a few more years of what? Like I was the Lord of the North. Like I was the hand of the King and now I'm just like some dude on the wall. Like what is that supposed to be? Yeah. I yeah. just don't think that Ned holds that, holds that about the night's watch. Main, not necessarily because of John, but because of his brother, and that, right. and and there have been Starks at the Wall for thousands. Well, of years. And the Starks have a different relationship with the Wall than King's right. Landing, I and mean, we see that you know throughout the show so far. We see it in this episode when you know Lord Commander Mormont's talking about trying to get you know this new King Joffrey's attention. Like the Starks are well aware of the Wall, of the protection and value that that provides the realm because it's in their backyard. And yeah. the, those in King's Landing don't have to think about it because it's a thousand leagues away. Like, right. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's just different ways to look at it, but that's my take on it. That's your take on it. Right. Whatever. It is, I, it is ironic that Ned has made all of these choices, 
because of his honor. Like the biggest thing wrong that he did was tell Cersei like, Hey, get out of here. I'm about to go tell on you. And like, that was the thing that like screwed him up and all these other choices that he did because of his honor that like we've joked about, or at least I have being the wrong choice. Right. He finally makes a choice that's not about his honor. And then these are the consequences. Yeah. So maybe it's more, maybe it's less. He makes all the b- wrong choices and more. He just has crap things happen to him <laughs> constantly, regardless of what he does in life. Yeah. Well, a little think, bit of a combination. Yeah. I think I we mean, see that that honor is not rewarded in this, in this uh, well, honor's realm. Re- honor is rewarded when the person on the other end of that honor is re- receives honorable. that and, and, and honors that. Right. Yeah. Obviously, the people that Ned's playing against in this scenario in this game are they they don't have that honor and so it it kind of it kind of puts him in a precarious situation where you at least I and I know you cuz that's your dog but <laughs> I want Ned to put aside honor for a moment and and save your life like you you can you, I, th- I think that Varys's line, while it applies to Cersei, applies to my thoughts on on Ned as well. Like a, a a tame wolf is more used to Cersei, but also your family, the Night's Watch, whoever, than a, than a dead wolf. Like yeah. like and 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 while he was talking about Cersei and that, I think that he was also, you know, or at least the show and the writing was alluding to like the impact he could have for others. And we'll see the effect of that now that he's, and the other thing Varys wants Ned to do. And he mentions this is tell Rob to, to just chill, to, to stop, you know, marching against Tywin, marching against King's landing. Just stop. We want to get you out of here. We want to get you away from all of this so that we can go back to some kind of peace in the realm. Even if that has, is a Joffrey ruled realm, at least it's not, bloodshed within Westeros when we know that we have this other piece that's outside of Westeros in the Dothraki that we have to deal with. And and Varys is very well aware of that, which we know because of his, his relationship with Illyrio. Yeah. So all of that is what I mean by this massive scene mm-hmm. two minutes into the episode. Right. So I also wanted to make a cool, what I thought was a cool observation of we've seen what a tame wolf can do compared to a dead wolf from the very first episode when they all got wolves. Oh, okay. That was my very good comment for the day. I'll not talk anymore. <laughs> Goodbye. All right. That's see you later, Keith. Keith. Uh, we'll see you next week. Yeah, um, thanks guys. Then we, then we transition. You already mentioned, um, you know, Varys's exit, uh, and basically trying to appeal to Ned in a different way. Talking about his daughter, um, you know, she's in the jaws of the lion, so to speak. And like Ned knows that Varys knows that. And he's trying to say like, okay, so you don't value your life. You don't value whatever years you may have left, but what about her? And I think that that's probably the point when it shifts for Ned. Cause then Varys like exits and Ned's left to think about that in the dark, in the dark. <laughs> um, then we, then we, uh, cut to a scene, uh, in Rob's camp where we see, they're talking about a strategy. They've come to the the twins, um, the trident. They have to cross the trident. The only way, according to them, to do that is is to to get passage through the twins. Um, and we are kind of given a glimpse into the mindset and belief about this character that we haven't met yet, called Walter Frey, 
we we they touched on him in the last episode. They touched him on this episode. You get this vibe that he's not someone who plays the game by the rules or follows any kind of creed. He's kind of a wild card. And so they're strategizing, like, what do we do? And I just thought that Rob, again, it solidifies, like, I think the character development we're seeing in him where he talks about basically doing whatever it takes, like ready my horse. I'm going to go, I'm going to go talk to him. And I thought that that was because he, because he has a line where he says, I can't have other men doing my, my bargaining for me. And I just thought that that was a, that was a powerful line from this young kid, this young man that we see, you know, the expectations are low for Rob. I think like no one really expects him to, defeat Tywin Lannister to overthrow the crown to rescue. Like, I don't, I think that that's what we want. I don't know that anyone in Westeros, even the Northmen really have that expectation that Rob will be the person to do it. Mm. I think that's why we see, uh, the great John challenge him a little bit. You know, we, he talks about his, you know, he's so green, he shits grass, like all, all this stuff. Like, I think that we're seeing these glimpses and these flashes of, unexpected maturity from Rob and unexpected leadership. Um, I don't think that you would expect a 16, 17, 18 year old boy to say, I can't have, I can't have other people doing my, the, the important things for me. I need to, I'm going to send my mom. Well, he, he's, he didn't send his mom. I know. He's ready to do it. And then, and then Kat says (laughs) basically like, no, I'm going to, I got this. I'm going to do it. And they're all like, what? It does make sense though. She knows Walter Frey. He, she's met him before. She has like t- the Tullys are, are his liege lord. Like it does, it does have some you know, some sense. It's just funny that there's pushback that like, no, I'm I'm gonna be the one to go. And then Catelyn's like, no, I'll go. And it's like, okay, mom, go go ahead. <laughs> yeah, you're kind of making Rob seem like a. Bitch. No, I'm. I don't mean to do that. Rob is awesome, and I love him. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, then we get into the twins, and we see Walder Frey at court. And uh, my first thought is Filch, which you already got there. But um, where's the cat? He's a squib. I don't. I don't know where his cat is. He, he is, a is a squib. He's a squib in in Harry Potter. He's a squib. It's a perfect in fucking name. Game too. of Thrones. Uh, J.K. Rowling just like coming up with this name, this word "squib," and you're like, I know exactly what that means without you 100%. even having to explain it. And and then you see like they cast him really well. Like yeah. casting him is for this role is perfect because he's sleazy, he's gross, he's. A squib. And my um, brother in law met him at a conference and got a signed like picture of Walter Frey of him that I have. It was the I mean, it was a very sweet gift of Wes. It just like yeah, not not the person that I'd really want the signed photo of, but hey man, that was a good one. You got one. It, it was yeah, there was it was, it was an opportunity and he thought of me and that was a very nice thing. Very I know nice. Wes listens, and so I want to say thank you, Wes. Thanks, Wes. Also could have got could have got Richard Madden. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I don't think he was there. Probably not. Uh, but yeah, then we, he's just gross. Like everything that we see, he's got a what do you say a 15 year old wife? Um, and the honey's all mine. He's talking about you know your mother would have been a milkmaid if I hadn't escorted you inside that her belly. That shit's funny, actually. It's gross. You, it's your gross. mother would still be a milkmaid if I hadn't escorted you into her belly. <laughs> He's gross. It's pretty funny. What a squib. Cat. They go into the phrase a lot more in the books. They do. The well. cat. They do for sure. The, like the offspring, at least. Yeah. Um. There's a lot of them. All right. those are his kids. All the people in court there. Um. We see Cat begin to make her appeal. 
uh, you know, have you sworn an oath? He says, I, I said some words uh, and, and swore some oaths of the crown as well. You know, we have a new king. Your son is, you know. Trying to fight him. Nobody, like, uh, he's just, he's not showing his hand here. He's not revealing, like, anything other than being a difficult old squib. His, his, his side of the conversation, though, is, is pretty well thought out. I mean, I, I think he does a good job, and it's and it's well written as well. I mean, like the you know, there'll be twenty thousand corpses when Tywin Lannister gets here, and you know your son and the corpses to be are just nothing but rebels, from what I can see. Yeah. And like, and then the line of uh, Stark, Baratheon, Tully, Lannister. Tell me why I should waste one thought on any of them. And what that's a great great side of the conversation. I mean, they have one thing. They have these. Two castles and a bridge in between them. That's all they have. They have some lands on either side, but like that's pretty much it. So yeah, keep your people there. Why should I? Why should I send my people out and and let you through and and basically pick a side here when you guys have done nothing but shit on my family for for decades? Yeah, that that's how it ends with him saying all these people. Tell me why I should care about any of them. You know, I I I have myself. I have what I have. And that's valuable to me. And and Catelyn knows exactly what he wants. Hundred percent. We don't get to see it in that moment. We see it later on. But um, you're right. She. There's obviously further dialogue that takes place off screen. We get it in the books more. Um, but but uh, yeah, it's it's a pretty uh, direct scene, and it's a pretty good introduction to a character that you know obviously has some influence. He has some power. You know, like. He he is the Brit, the literal bridge between Rob and he's the a North troll. and their goal. He's a troll, he's is what he troll. is. Like yeah. hideous old gross troll. He has a great line when he says, "If I had the sense, the gods gave a fish, like like the just the sense of a of a fish swimming around in the water, then I would do this." I just thought that was a. I'm going to try to use that in uh, in some point, like real life. Will you make sure that I'm there for that? Yeah. Okay. For sure. Maybe filming. Uh, we can try to film. Yeah, I have this new cool camera on my phone. Yeah, so. you do. Three it's got of them. Three. It's cool. Mine, mine's less cool than yours, but yeah, it's well, still cool. One day. Uh, then we see the wall. We see uh, John and and Commander Mormont. Um, a cool scene where he gives John this sword. Um, and John's a little bit taken aback by like, what are you doing? You know, this is Valyrian steel. Uh. You know, we see the cool wolf head pommel, uh, and and Lord Commander Mormont talks about it. You know, he he explains. I did think it was cool. You know, he he mentioned like a it's called long claw. You know, what works as as well for a bear or as a wolf as it does a bear. Um, and and so he's kind of given this over, and John's reluctant to take it, and uh, and then, you know. Lord Commander Mormont talks about his son. Right. He talks about the legacy of the sword. It's been in our family for five de- uh, five centuries, and you know it was it was my son's sword. And um, you know when he got exiled, he had the sense to leave the sword behind. Have you connected the dots at this point? Do you know who he's talking about? I do not. He does say it. <laughs> he says it. That's why I didn't know if you subtitles, if you... Keith. Damn it. We subtitles. <laughs> It's not a spoiler at this point. No, 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 it's not. That's what I'm saying. Like, no, that's so, fine. So his son that he's talking about in this scene mm-hmm. is Jorah that is Danny's right. I right like Jorah. Right. 
and that's who his son is. So he, Lord Commander Mormont, is the father of Jorah Mormont, who was supposed to take over for House Mormont when whatever led to Lord Commander Mormont going to the wall. And the sword, I mean, you know, that's something that's passed down throughout families. And John's now given this honor, and he's like, I don't understand. And Lord Commander Mormont kind of has to spell it out for him. Like, uh, this is kind of the end of the road for the sword. It's with me, and once I'm gone, like, that's it. You know, so I want to pass it on and have it continue to have a legacy. Yeah, it's kind of weird because there are other Mormons. Like, we know that from the books, and we know that there's there's other... other yeah, but not his yeah, direct right, his lineage. Direct, right. And I think there's something, you know, people value... In, in this world and at this time, people value legacy in what they help influence. Right. And so if he were to have given that to his sister... Yeah. Um, you know, sure. Even though she's known to be a very, a very powerful warrior, yeah, it's, it's, it's just interesting. It stays in the family, but he didn't have. It didn't connect with him. It was his sword, though. Like it's his sword to give. It's his decision to make, and and it is. And so, even though Jorah left it, it it was it's Gior Mormont's sword, mm-hmm. um, which is Commander Mormont. Sorry. Um, so the reason I keep pointing at you, Keith, is because last episode we were talking about. Uh, I was I was asking like, hey, have you connected the dots yet? And the answer was no. Well, in this episode, they connect them for you. You you missed him saying Jorah, but right. but he does say it was meant for my son Jorah. We know that his name is Jorah Mormont. We know that this is Lord Commander Mormont. So when he says my son Jorah, we're 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 kind of figure it out. Yeah, right. Um, now I also understand that in nine episodes you met 60 people, and so probably more than that, right? So it's not it's not that surprising. Um, that being said, though, going back to the last episode, what I was getting at, uh, Mormont is talking to John about, hey, they took your they took your father prisoner um, as a traitor, and and he tells him not to do anything stupid. Mormont has probably experienced this exact thing, being in service at the wall and having to make a decision that is they're they're you know uh, they're they're. Uh, labeling my family in a way that maybe I don't think they should be labeling him, labeling them. This in in his instance, it was Jorah being labeled as a, as a as a slaver because he he sold two poachers on his land into slavery uh, and being exiled. Well, Commander Mormont's at the wall; he can't really do anything about it. Now he could if he wants to go down there and have a conversation with Ned, but at but at the wall, you have forsaken all family, you've forsaken all all land, all titles. And the in the men of the night's watch are now your family, and so Mormont is talking to John from his own experience that hey, don't do anything stupid. I understand that he's your father. I understand that you're 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 worried about him. You're upset at what's going on, but don't do anything stupid. And he's not just saying that from a commander, you know, putting their thumb on you and saying listen to me and don't do this. He's saying it from from a place that he's actually experienced this. That was what I was getting to last mm-hmm. episode, but since you hadn't connected the dots, I was not allowed to do so. Mm-hmm. But now they've. Well, thank you for doing it now, because now it makes what happens later in the episode bingo even more cool. Right with Eamon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good one. Yeah. So then we uh, then we just see. Well, th- well, they have a, a further dialogue after the sword is given, where they talk about. And he says, don't think that this, you know, means that I approve of this nonsense with you and Alistair Thorne. 
And John has a moment where he's like, you're right. Like, I'll go apologize. And Which is good for John. Good for John. Lord Commander Mormont says, and if, if the very first bit, he says, no, you won't. No, you won't. I was like, okay. And then he explains that he sent him to King's Landing with the hand, um, you know, this, this boy king that he calls Joffrey, uh, which Joffrey would probably not be very happy about. He would like that. Um, he he talks know, about. He seems like a reasonable. That's okay. Character. Fuck Joffrey. Fuck Joffrey. You're welcome. Uh, any opportunity, I'm happy to oblige. Um, <laughs> he he talks about like obviously the main point is we're trying to show the rest of the world what's going on up here. That I was attacked by a dead man. Some weird shit. <laughs> yeah. And we don't think that just sending a raven is going to do the job, so we're going to send the hand with uh you know my my um a pretty high up pretty high ranking yeah um you know he was a knight right at some point um do they they lose their knighthood they 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 call him sir alistair thorne exactly they they are supposed to forsake titles but they i mean yeah it it is an interesting you know thing yeah and it it maintains it's 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 reoccurring like we see it's you know throughout the show um but he, you know, he has this moment where you kind of see him have a little bit of softness for John. He says, you know, it also it also puts a thousand leagues between you and Thorn. Um, now bring I, me my supper. <laughs> now, now go put your sword somewhere safe and bring me my supper. <laughs> um, I think this was a moment for John. You know, we saw when they were given their assignments at the wall. We saw John was obviously visibly verbally all those things unhappy about his assignment we saw some from sam some appealing to john like don't you see what's happening i don't think that john believes it probably not until now yeah i think this is a moment where he sees like commander mormont is trying to he just gave me this really cool sword cool there's, sword and eliminate and, and took took out your they haven't biggest, really explained it but there's very few valyrian steel i mean clearly they make a big deal out of it anytime they see valyrian steel whether it's the dagger or the sword or whatever but they do you know that that is a that's a huge thing there's not that many valyrian steel swords or weapons out there um you know in in this world so I'm gonna keep talking as we do some mic, uh, you know, some some mic rearranging, some mic adjustment here. Um, yeah, I think obviously the Valyrian steel sword is something that they can talk about more in the books. It gets weird to spend a lot of time talk, in dialogue in the show about talk it. more in the books about what it looks like, which it has. So in the, in the show, it kind of looks like any other sword, right? And so like it's just metal, but uh, in the books, it talks about a little bit more about like it it having this. Um, this uh patina to it almost maybe like this this the ripples and the yeah and, the, and where they fold the steel over exactly. and over and over and over exactly to where it would be more recognizable because it wouldn't make sense that young kids and young you know uh in, you know people of john snow's experience level would be able to see right what away. this is from from what we see in the show but but yeah in the books it has this like this description of the look of it. But anyways, that's why Valyrian steel is, is so uh, highly regarded. That's a great sword. I mean, obviously. Yeah. It's cool. It's a cool moment for them. Um, and we see, hopefully, John, you know, see a little bit of that. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A grooming that, that Commander Ormont's trying to do to, yeah. to build him into something more than just John a steward. Yeah, and it's the first time I actually believed it, too. 
Yeah. Because like I didn't I thought Sam was just like silver That's lining right. it because yeah. he wanted to be a wizard. But <laughs> I'd like to hear a song, Pip. Yep. <laughs> Good old oh, Sam. Sam is great. And you know, so after that scene with uh Mormont and John, John walks into the little mess hall area Which or whatever. I loved that uh Commander Mormont was like, This is a man sword, so like like be a man about it. And then the next scene happens. It's like, you did the opposite of what you were supposed to do. <laughs> well, everyone was excited for him, which apparently everyone at Castle Black knew about the sword except for John. Right. So, which was, which was funny. Um, yeah. Then he, then he walks in and Sam's obviously got something else on his mind. It doesn't take a lot of prodding to get it out of him. Uh, but he, he is prompted by John to share. And he says there was a Raven and John's like, yeah. And Sam's like, it's your brother, Rob. And John's like, yeah and he talks about he's he's headed off to war and you see the like weight of that you know on john right away and sam tries to silver lining it by saying well he's all his bannermen are by his side they'll protect him and john's john's resolute in his desire to be by his brother's side um i thought it was him and rob have a good have a great relationship i mean we saw that when he leaves winterfell Mm -hmm. um he had the he had the most meaningful goodbye with yeah, Rob exactly. and, and Bran, but uh, Arya as well. I mean, he, he's John has a has even though he has a strained relationship with Cat, he has a, he has somewhat of a strained relationship with Ned because he's now realizing that Ned knew what this place was. Ned Ned didn't tell me he said he said that earlier in a couple episodes ago, um, and he's never really known about his mom and he just doesn't have that relationship with Ned to be able to have those conversations, but he does have that loving connection to the siblings, to Rob and to Arya and to Bran. We see that as he's saying his goodbyes. So when he finds out that Rob is going to war and, and in a very dangerous position, he almost has a larger reaction to that than he does Ned being imprisoned. Yeah. So, well, and we talked about it last week. It's just like, I like John, but it's one of those weird, like you knew not that this would happen, but you knew that things were going to happen in your family that you couldn't be a part of anymore when you chose to do this. I said it back when everybody was saying their goodbyes and going separate ways that it felt, I specifically talked about Ned, but it felt weird that people were leaving when they were leaving. Mm -hmm. And, you know, John was there for what happened to Bran he knew that Ned was headed off. He st- he th- John, unlike most of the other people at Castle Black, didn't have to go. He could have also delayed that. Like yeah. most of the people are are that's their punishment, that's their sentence. So it's now or death. He could have he could have chosen not to do that. He chose he was kind of hard headed um, and and gung ho about you know doing it. I think you know Benjamin going back like it was it was he felt like it was the right time, but he had to. He he did know that he was supposed to be giving up all of this other stuff. Right. But as we see with the conversation with Eamon later, it doesn't make it easier. It doesn't even make it true. Can we <laughs> or, go directly into that scene no, from this one? No, we go to uh Rob's camp again. Mm. Um so so yeah, we'll we'll get there in a minute, but but we jump to Rob's camp and Kat's back with the news. And um and it's it, the list is a lot. Uh, seemingly a steep price to pay for 
Just cross a bridge. Crossing a bridge. Uh, the price is, you know, you'll take his son, Olivar, as your squire. That's fine. Uh, and, you know, he expects a future knighthood. Rob's like, fine, fine. fine sure, fine. whatever. Titles, titles, titles. <laughs> Arya will marry his son. And Rob's like, she won't be happy, won't about, be happy that. about that. <laughs> and then, Rob, after all the fighting's finished, you'll marry one of his daughters. Rob takes it in his stride. Did you get a look did, at it? Did you get daughter? a look at him? <laughs> I saw them. There's one oh, that's... I love... I don't know. I mean, is it is it scripted, do you think, that Theon laughs at that line? Because it is a funny line. And if you were standing in that tent... And you weren't Rob. Be, and it would be a funny line. And Theon, like, Fuck cracks yeah. a little bit at that line. And then laughs even more at Kat when she says... I saw one of them was, and then never finishes that sentence. So yeah, I mean, and obviously Rob's a great looking human, uh, and and probably and 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 a future lord probably would have commanded a pretty you know attractive, not just in because that's the important thing. I mean, he'll be a lord in about twenty minutes, right? Forty, yeah. <laughs> not just a bit, but attractive in in physical appearance, but also attractive in in uh, you know status yeah the and now you have this made. like this the phrase are the shit stains of of the riverlands let's be honest that's who they are and so it really is it's got to be tough for him mm-hmm. obviously he walks out pretty upset well he that. says and theon's still laughing i'm really can, interested to see if any of that happens yeah he says can i refuse cat says not if you want to cross and he says i consent and then he walks off sadly um, and Theon's still laughing and Kat shoots him a little glare. Yeah. Then we see Maester Eamon and John. We get the scene where uh, John obviously has no idea. We don't know who he is either at this point. He has a conversation we talked about earlier about Ned. What would your father... Well, we see a blind guy chopping meat <laughs> with a big cleaver. If he's done it long enough. I guess. I, I, I showed my face. Like, I was like, what the fuck? Is he chopping that? That's a big cleaver. Eamon Maybe he's blind. not like a hundred percent blind. I don't think he is a hundred percent blind in the books, but they kind of make him out to be pretty blind in the show. In the show, because he's like not even—he's not lining up with with John's eye line, and he even says that when uh, well, he looks up, right <laughs> when yeah. he's talking, like His eyes are cloudy. The fuck are you looking at? Yeah. It might also just be that man, though. Could well. Be. But but he does say later on when he when he talks about uh, when the gods tested his his vows right he was old and blind he does say blind so I don't know yeah I mean probably not a hundred percent but he's just hacking away well we also know that he's he's old as dirt because we also don't know that he has ten fingers so yeah we <laughs> learn that the Targaryen kids that we've met are his great niece and nephew so he's yeah. he's old you know because they're in the show, almost adults. Viserys seemingly was probably 18, 19, 20, somewhere um, there. So, yeah, when they when when he leaves King's Landing, he's around five, and then it's 17 years between the... Yeah, but they age age everybody differently in the show. Yeah, no, I'm just... I'm just they age but, him up. But based on, the, based on the years, the history of it, he would have been, yeah, early 20s, which makes Aemon ancient. Yeah, Absolutely. He's, he's old because he was the older brother. Yeah. Of May, uh, what? Who was Ares' dad? Uh, Aegon. Aegon, Aegon the the fifth, yeah, or something yeah. along those lines. Um, 
Because he calls him Egg. Who's who's Mikael? Mikael? Uh, Miker is his dad. My father was Miker. Okay, so yeah. then then you've got Eamon and his younger brother, which we'll get into. Yeah, so is younger, right? And and that's Aegon. His son is Ares, Mad the Mad King. King, who was the king. Right. So he had to be. I mean, well, I guess Joffrey's the king, and he's young. So but. what happened was, as far as the line of succession, so Aemon was the second son of Miker. His older brother was the king. His older brother died without any heirs. And so it goes to the brothers, right? Mm-hmm. Well, at the time, Aemon had already taken... Uh, he, he'd already become a maester, which was already not something that his house wanted him to do because it was not... I mean, he was a prince. There's no... Like, you, you're becoming a maester from, from being a prince? That doesn't make much sense. So he had already become a maester. When you're a maester, it's, it's similar to to Night's Watch or uh, the King's Guard, where you kind of forsake all titles and forsake, you know, uh, rights to, you know, inheritance, things like that. Um, so the the people and the council felt like he would be a better fit for uh, the throne than Aegon, who was much younger. But Aemon was, uh, was a maester, so he refused it. So that's how it gets to... Aegon and then Ares, obviously. Aegon is actually the third, the third son of Miker. Aemon was the second one, down all the way down to Ares, and then obviously he's talking about Rhaegar when he says my my uh, you know when they kill my brother's son, he's talking about Ares, and then his son talking about Rhaegar, and then the little children, he's obviously talking about the other Targaryen kids. Yeah. So we get this. Obviously, he's breaking all that down. He's talking about his story. He's trying to relate to John. John was being a prick, uh, emotional, and no one understands how I feel. You do not know. And and that could have been better. Beautiful. Maester Aemon's trying to appeal to John and show him that well, you're not the first person in the world to have to face some challenges. Right. You're not the first person in this castle. Castle Black to have to face these kind of challenges, and and that's what I like. You mentioned this earlier, but that's what I is Mormont's had a conversation with him where you're you're going through something similar that I went through. Eamon's having a conversation with him. You're having a, a similar thing that I had. Now you made a mention when we were watching it that those aren't exactly the same. Yeah, every when when Eamon got the news when he was f- faced with his decision, he was faced with a decision like everybody's dead. And you can't do anything. How do you respond? So his choice is a little easier. John's decision before him is your father's imprisoned and your brother's headed off to war. Well, and I think that's like for me, that's what I took out of that. Like he was actually saying like, don't regret not doing something now when you can do it. Like I did when I couldn't do anything. Like the gods tested me when I was an old and blind man. There was nothing I could do to help my family, but you can. So you think Aemon was pushing him to go? Yeah, and that's why I was saying like the scene is so like cool because like the the other guy whose name I can't remember, Mormont, Mormont, was like, "Don't do anything stupid. Don't forsake your vows." Where I thought Aemon was saying like, "Hey, maybe go take care of this while you actually can, and don't regret." Like I do, not being able to do anything. That's an interesting take. Um, personally, I think Eamon is playing the middle. Is saying, you know, because he he later on he later says, "I won't tell you to stay or go. That's for you to decide." 
but I think what he's doing is giving him the idea of like duty and honor versus family and love. You got to pick a side. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't be in the middle here. And if you're going to be up here, if you're going to be a man of the night's watch, you have to pick a side. Now you can choose the you know like you're saying you can choose love and and family. Um, understand the consequences of that, which I wonder what Rob does. If 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 John shows up, what does Rob do? What do, what do they? I mean, Rob leads. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if John adds much to 20,000, 18,000 men. Emotional support, for sure. But, but totally. yeah. But, yeah, I, I, I mean, I think Eamon is playing the middle. He's just giving him another perspective. Mm-hmm. Like, you're thinking of it from one side. Let me show you both sides. Let me show you the other side. That Other people have been through this. Other people have seen this. This was my experience with it. But I won't tell you to stay or go. That's up to you. Yeah, so prediction, what do you think John's decision will be? John seems like the type of person who will go. Okay, so he's going to forsake his vows, fuck the Night's Watch, and he's out. I don't know if it'll be like that necessarily. I think he'll probably be like, I'll be back. I have to go help family or whatever. I don't know if you get to choose that. I don't think you get to choose, Yeah, but I think that's what he's going to attempt to do. But theoretically, if you come back after being a deserter, are they going to behead you then? Right? I don't know. Maybe they'll just sentence you to more night watchness. <laughs> right. If the white I, I want to take the black. If the White Walkers make you a zombie, you have to come back mm. and be a zombie. So you have to double down on your on your vows. Right. You have to be a White Walker black cloak. Okay. Hmm. A then- white black. <laughs> black white. I got it. Yeah. Then we uh, hop across the narrow sea a little bit. We're on the road, seemingly to oh. find some, find some ships, and right across the narrow sea. And uh, nope. And Drogo. That's not how this is playing out. Drogo falls off his horse. Um, then we see. I wrote his name down. Quotho. Is that it? Comes up and says a lot of stuff, but he, he the, the main point is a call who cannot ride is no call. Um, and Danny's like, yeah, we're making camp, blah, 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 blah. And he's like rolling his eyes. He's got attitude with her, but he listens. You know, she threatens him with Drogo's authority again. Drogo's laying on the ground, just fell off his horse. And he's like, Drogo will know if you defy me. And he like, listens. I mean, well, I think I could take him, you know, um, and so they that's the end of that scene. They, they're going to make camp. Okay, great. Then we jump to Tywin's camp. Uh, we see the scene where he's in his tent having breakfast uh, with his, uh, his you know, council or, you know, his war committee, whatever it is. Uh, we see Uncle Kevin. We see uh, Tyrion comes in. And Tywin, you know, is talking about Rob in the beginning. He's talking about, like, he has this provincial what he said was provincial courage like he's he's a wild young kid stupid young kid but he's got this provincial courage that's you know something to be mentioned and then he promptly jumps to Tyrion and and lets him know that uh you is the is the the song there must be more to this provincial life is that in the animated version of beauty and the beast as well as the yes okay because that because that's that's the only reason why i know the word provincial only reason. 
is there must be more of this provincial law, you know, that kind of thing. I'll keep but going. I don't know it actually. That's why I had to ask. I never watched Beauty and the Beast growing up, and then and, and it was one of Emily's favorites. And we saw the you know uh, Emma Watson like God, I fucking love her. Anyways, we saw the Emma Watson you know live action, which I was in love with. I fucking loved that movie. Still love it. And then we watched the animated version. And I was like, this this is shit. But I just couldn't remember. The animated one's awesome. Wow. I know. It's old animation. I don't have an appreciation for old oh, uh, wow. film. The I really OG don't. Beauty and the Beast is it's incredible. such a great movie. Belle is the best princess. Belle and Jasmine are my favorite princesses. Jasmine, definitely. Um, I was weirdly attracted to Nala. I don't know why. <laughs> I know. I don't know how they did that, but it worked out. Uh, have a new Nick's apology corner next week. Yeah, I'll apologize, but <laughs> I hope so. No, I, I mean, I kind of want to insert that right here. What do you want to insert? <laughs> a lot of things, but mostly <laughs> your, apology. your apology for Nala. Why? They made her a very pretty lion. Okay. I don't understand how it's you, that last word of the sentence. That's <laughs> the apology that we need. No, I mean, but either way, I, that's the only reason why I know the word provincial. Do is, you know that you're married to a human? I am. She, and she's a very pretty human as well. And so, but that doesn't mean that I wasn't attracted to a lion when I was a kid. And it, yeah, it made me confused. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. So Emily they versus made, Nala, like, which one do you choose? Emily versus Nala? Emily, 100%. It's, it's, more, <laughs> it's, it's more than skin and animation deep. He's winking a lot, everybody. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. Um, <laughs> Stop winking. Know. Let it be known. <laughs> Stop He's winking. Like making cat hands and rowing. Yeah. No, I, I found Nala attractive. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stand behind that one. <laughs> oh, but that's, that's the only reason why I know the word provincial is the provincial life song in uh, uh, Beauty and the Beast. Well, you are wrong. Beauty and the Beast is a phenomenal movie. Yes. Uh, the live action was also good. Emma Great, Watson yeah. is great someone asked me the other day who my celebrity my first celebrity crush was it was either natalie portman or emma watson natalie portman in star wars uh yeah yeah that's a good one Ugh. Ugh. what is wrong with you um anakin did not deserve her that's very that, true that rat tail no, no thank you no 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 maybe clone you. wars anakin kind of deserved her but uh revenge of the sith anakin was a lot hotter if that counts for anything but he was a okay douche and also, I want to roll her. back my. Uh, it what wasn't. It wasn't for was Natalie abusive? Portman. It was for those movies. Oh, okay. Yeah, I agree about yeah, that. I agree. Um, yeah, Emma Watson. Uh, you get to probably around Goblet of Fire. No, I thought she was. I thought when I was younger, when I was young, when the movies were coming out, I I I liked Hermione from the beginning. Really? In, in in the first one, she's got this really frizzy hair. Now now you can tell there's something there. I don't but, mind. But man, I kind of like it. You get to, I think it's Goblet of Fire. It may, it may be even just Prisoner of Azkaban, but like you're starting to be like, well, Damn. yeah, then she's an adult. Like she's, she's growing sure. up at that point. But when I was a kid, I found Hermione attractive. I thought we were on the same, uh, like age level as they were. Right. I found my peers attractive. <laughs> they are I did. Much I only found lions me. attractive. <laughs> You only found your li- lions when you were Justin, kid. Justin liked age-appropriate women, and Nick liked, <laughs> Nick liked animals. Animals, yeah. <laughs> Jasmine was the first person, first, uh, first one to like make me feel something. If that, if that was it, Jasmine or was it her tiger? No, it was Jasmine. <laughs> okay, Isn't the tiger a guy? It's tiger's a boy, I think. Right? Raja, yeah, Raja. Yeah, yeah. So Raja's awesome. Yeah, no, he, I'm not saying he's not cool, but yeah, Jasmine in her little crop top and like jumping on the the oh god, and the voice. Holy shit. That'll do it. That'll do it. 
She knows all so this. Emily big, knows this. You're She's, a big fan of like after Jafar took over and put her in that <laughs> and outfit. put her in chains, right? Uh, I didn't hate it. I didn't. See I also chains. didn't hate uh, um, Leia in the in in chains with, with uh, uh, Job of the Hut. You're on a roll. Keep it going. What else? What other kind of chains? We're attracted to. Th- okay, yeah. She Whips and I can, chains. I, handcuffs. There's a lot of things that I do and say that I'm like, wow, that really upset you with Emily. And this is not one of them. This is not going to bother her one bit. She even during this episode, she was like, we talk about Kit Harrington a lot, Jon Snow. We don't talk about Rob, and he is a he's a looker. And she's she asked me where are your curly where's your curly black hair? <laughs> did she say he, she, did she say he's a looker? Uh, she, I think she may have used the word yum. I don't. I'm, it's something along those lines, which I don't blame her. That's worse. I just wanted to imagine Emily as like a 1950s, <laughs> like oh he's a looker. No, no, no. no. She okay. was she was uh, she was very. I, I mean, I'm I'm. I like Rob too. I think he's very attractive. Yeah, um, same. Uh, Keep we going. know how tell Justin some, feels. Tell some more things. Anyways, anime, I'm not worried about it. Creatures that the only reason I know the word provincial is because of the provincial life song, uh, and we can move on. I mean, I don't think we are trying to get you in trouble. We just want to learn more about. I'm our learning friend a Nick. lot about you. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, donate to the Patreon, and we will. Uh, I guess I shouldn't use the word donate. Get uh, support. Support the Patreon. Join our team. Join our team. So you can support us for however much, how, however many dollars a month you'd like to support. Yep. And preferably be a part of the 50. Team, preferably 50. And we'll throw in a list of uh, fictional characters. And we Nick will have this conversation that Nick until the cows And come I home. quote, felt something <laughs> for. Were you not into Jasmine? I, th- I liked Jasmine. Okay. When I was six. I rest my case. <laughs> I like Jasmine now. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> back on track, we get to uh, this. Well, I mean, we've been, we were in the scene and then somehow we got off. Uh, but, but Tywin tells Tyrion, <laughs> no, no, stop. Okay, okay, no, okay, stop. Okay, okay. We did get off, but now we're back we're to normal. Back on. Forward. Keith Winter came on the couch. Uh, <laughs> Still here, everyone. <laughs> Uh, then uh, Tywin breaks the news that Tyrion and his uh, his you know uh, mountain men are going to be in the vanguard. And Tyrion, Ooh. Tyrion's like, aren't there better ways to have me killed that are less detrimental to the war effort? Well, yeah, he says that a moon brother uh, stabbed a stone crow over a sausage, <laughs> and they had to keep Shaga from cutting off the dead man's cock, which was which was good. But now they're you know. Asking for blood money, basically talking about how these guys don't they belong gonna, yeah. at this you know, forefront of the battle. And Tywin's just like, "Well, that's on the commander, I yeah. think." Yeah, and he and he says, "You know, surely there's ways to have me killed that are less detrimental to the war effort." And he does a little teenage daughter and slaps the roll off of his plate and says, "Maybe I'm not hungry." Or seems I'm not hungry. Seems after I'm not all. hungry after all. Uh, then he walks into his tent and. Shay's there. There's Shay. Uh, with Braun. Shay, Do we Shay. know Shay's name? Nope. Well, right. yeah, she, she says, it. says Shay when oh, he okay. says, what did your mother call you? Subtitles, Keith. Bro. Gosh. Gosh. Keith, come on. Um, yeah, so we meet Shay. <laughs> what a jerk. Uh, uh, Tyrion breaks the news to Braun that we are going to be in the Vanguard tomorrow. Braun says, I think I'll go find one of my own. <laughs> he says, oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, then we get into the scene with uh, Shay and Tyrion, and we obviously see where you know he asks, "What's your name?" And they get into the she said she has a line about, "Is that why I'm here so we can talk about our mothers?" 
well, you know, what do you want from me? And he has a list of things that he wants. He wants her to share his tent, pour his wine, laugh at his jokes, rub his legs after they're sore after a long ride, take no other men to bed, and fuck me like it's my last night on this earth, which it very well well may be. Um, And then she says, and what do I get? And in return, he's going to offer her safety, the pleasure of my company, and more gold. Which I've heard is fantastic. (laughs) And she says, who tells you that? Women that you've paid? (laughs) And uh, he just skips over that and says, and more gold than you could spend if you lived for a thousand years. And she seemingly is perfectly happy with all of that because she then undresses and climbs on top of him and says, let's start let's with, start the with last your last night. night in this world. <laughs> and um, anyway, it's it's an introduction to a character that we haven't met yet. Uh, mm-hmm. It shows Tyrion has got a little sidekick in Bronn who's doing things like finding what I would imagine are some of the prettiest women in camp. And Good looking them. out, man. Yeah, looking out. It's a, a wingman if I've ever I don't think you do that for me. I mean, well, I think I do it for married. you. Well, and yeah. So I it's just clearly a made up scenario. I would do that for you if you weren't married and we were going to war the next morning. You would fight some guy to bring me a whore? Sure. If that's what you wanted. Do you know really how much sweet. Justin wants to fight people? Apparently a lot if a you lot. listen to the last episode. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, he was a jerk. I thought was, I was going to get an apology when we first started. But it was. It was all right. Yeah, he said it was a bit, but it wasn't. A, it didn't feel like a bit. I'll tell you that. It was a bit much. <laughs> <laughs> it is good to know that you would fight somebody to bring me a whore and then have to go fight somebody again to find yourself one. Yeah. <laughs> While I then have sex with that whore. I love you. I would look out for you. Well, thanks, man. You're my dog. Okay. You don't think that I would do that for you? I, it's not that I don't think that. I'm just surprised that you said you would. <laughs> what do you think? It's not I that do? I don't think that. Well, no, I believe you. I just I I didn't think that off the off the bat. No. What would you What would you do for me in that scenario? I don't know. I'm not really a fighter. Yeah, but we're in war I fight times. you, but that's about it. And you get beat up. Yeah. Okay. Um. So no, 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 let's spend another thirty minutes on no, this. No, let's not. Then we go across the narrow sea, and this is a powerful scene. Uh, we see Danny is with Drogo in the tent. He's got this weird black stuff on his chest and Jor comes in and he pulls the knife you see Danny's eyes kind of be like yo what's happening he lifts that concoction and like kind of takes a moment to himself and looks at Danny and then says he will die tonight um you know and then he, he proposes that they uh should leave we should flee get get you away safely i heard there's a, a great port in a shy and she basically you know says like I'm not going to leave him. I'm the Khaleesi. I'm not in danger. Why would I run? He says, men don't honor blood. Uh, here, men don't honor blood. They only honor strength. And they'll be fighting. Uh, whoever wins will be the next call. He won't want any rivals. Uh, basically, he's going to kill that kid. You know, your son is your son is condemned if you stay here. Um, then, uh, then we see Quotho, whatever his name, however you pronounce it. I think that's right. Comes in. He brings Miriam Asdor in, who Danny had had called for earlier in the episode, and she, you know, we get this moment where he's convinced she's a witch. He's spitting. He's he's being, you know, very, uh, uh, very direct with his words. You know, telling her exactly what he thinks. Um, 
and Danny's like, like basically flexing on him a little bit, like, you know, basically challenging him. Uh, it talks about, you're not safe. Like he's, you know, once he's dead, like you're nothing. And she talks about, I'm the blood of the dragon. And his response is the dragons are all dead. Khaleesi. And then he bounces and Danny looks at Jor and says, I think you should wear your armor tonight, sir. And he responds with, I think you're right. Then we cut, to, or then we then we move on, and then there's uh, the. Do you have something to add? Well, I was just making a, a a point to what I said when we were watching the episode, which was how difficult does, is it to act in a made up language? Yeah, I mean, this is a language that does not exist. They don't even have it in the books because in the books they just put it in English because you can't have subtitles in a book. I mean like right. So this is a made up language that these guys are acting in and I think Quother whatever he is I I think he does a pretty good job where it's like you can really feel the anger and feel the 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 emotion behind that um and I don't know if if I feel like I feel like he's the one getting the rap here for like uh what everyone else is thinking Clearly, when they go outside the tent later on, other people feel the same way. The midwives won't come. Uh, Ricaro says, like, let me kill this witch. Like, don't do this. Clearly, other people in the Dothraki feel this same way about Miri Mazdor. Quotho's just the, the one that's saying it. Yeah. Now he's being uh, a little, you know, quite disrespectful and a little more aggressive than anybody else. Uh, when it comes to, you know, you're only anything, you're only Khaleesi while the blood of my blood lives. Um, after that, you're, you're nothing. And Dragon which is a dead. weird way to like honor Drogo, <laughs> like fight with his wife while he's dying. He's got that like blood of my blood, the respect that the, the blood rider, right. Yeah. He's got that respect they have, but it's, you see here that he's exclusively tied to Drogo. Correct. Not Drogo's wife, not Drogo's child. Right. He is the blood rider and the tie to... Isn't the blood rider relationship, though, some sort of, like, uh, oath of some kind? Like, yeah. Yeah, so, it's so he's similar just honoring to his the, oath. It's similar to the Kingsguard. Yeah. But it's it's bound even more deeply than that in their in their relational dynamic. But and, that's what he's saying, is that he he's bound by that oath, but once, once Drogo's gone, there is no oath. Now it is exactly what Jorah explains... It's a it's fight. It's a fight to see who's going to take control of the Kalasar. Yeah, and a blood rider, you would imagine somebody who's who's one of the top fighters and stands by the side of the call Correct. would be one of the Probably, favorites to win that. Right, exactly. Um so then then we see kind of the scene where Mir, the scene where Miri Mazdor is kind of talking to Danny about like, you know, He's gone. Like that's it for him. You know, I there's nothing I can do other than ease his path. And Danny pushes her, presses her, says there must be something you can do, some kind of spell. And she says uh, that you know there is there is you know there's a spell. There's something I can do. Uh, but some would say death is cleaner. She talks about how there's a price to pay, and you can see Danny's like my death. Oh shit, my <laughs> death. And she's, you know, because only death pays for life. She says, no, not your death, Khaleesi. And then she looks, I think it show. It looked like she looked at Danny's belly. But it, it then she says, like, bring me his horse. So it kind of huh. kind of threw me a curveball there. I've never noticed that. Because it, it looked like she was looking at Danny's belly. And my first thought is like, 
Oh, shit. That's what I thought, you gonna, too. You're going to kill the baby? Oh, really? You caught that, too? I didn't think she was going to kill the baby. I thought the life of the baby was going to... Right, and that's what it made me think about. But then, then she delivers the line about like bring me his horse, and you're kind of like, oh, she, it just must have been like she was like thinking, but it was just a weird like it, it took me for a second. I was like, oh shit, like this, she's about to kill a baby. Um, so yeah, then we see they bring the horse in. The horse is very reluctant to go in. Yeah, I think he's more reluctant in the books as well. Yeah, which is it, why they cut the side of the tent is that yep. they can't get him to go in. Yeah, and um, and he's. You can tell that he feels that there's something weird going on. He's got that tie to his rider. You know, it's a unique spiritual connection. He he feels like he knows something's going to happen. Um, horses are supposed to be really intelligent creatures. I just think that they're scary. It doesn't seem like they are. I mean, yeah, I think in you, real, I'm talking about in real yeah. life. No, I know, but it doesn't seem to me like they seem like um, they have this really deep kind of ophi voice like like that's what i assume that a, a horse's voice is it just because you've watched mr ed a lot that or? might be that might be it that's they don't but talk like that i don't want to go this way okay i'll go this way that's what it sounds that's what i imagine a horse sounds like maybe you're right and therefore doesn't seem very intelligent to me well i think that you're probably wrong i'm just trying to add a little color <laughs> Next week, here Nick apologized to horses. I think that you've added a <laughs> that lot. That is of- one one group that I will not apologize to. Oh wow, taking a hard stand. Apparently, the animated animals either. You're not going to apologize to them either. That I found them attractive. Why, why would I apologize? No, he needs to apologize to us. They for meant that. for me to find him. They they meant for that. I'm traumatized. They know what they someone did. drew that exactly. They, they put, didn't they put draw boobs on a lion. They did not look at it. There's a there's a clear line of the bro. Cleavage. You were a horny little boy if That's you saw true. boobs on a lion, <laughs> bro. They put boobs on an octopus in uh, Little Mermaid. She had the top half of a human. Oh. Yeah, I guess that's true. She octopi have like that's their head. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Where her body is, that's their just their head. Okay, 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 okay. It's just wait. Um, so explain, explain octopus. I'm sorry for being honest. God, they've got eight anatomy again for me, Justin. Eight legs, uh-huh. and then attached to those heads, where they all come to a point, is a giant blobby head. Oh, there's eight heads now. No, there's one head. Well, you said attached to the heads. There's a head. Okay, where the legs come to a point. The most uncomfortable name of a Bond movie. What? Octopussy. Just a very weird name. It's true. That's a Bond movie? It's a Bond movie. It's the name of the movie, no Octopussy. Way. Yes, that's the woman's name. They called that's her the that. That's the name of the movie? That's the name of the movie. No way. Bro, I've seen the movie. And that's the woman's name in it. Keith, back me up here, It man. 100% is. I'm yeah. not asking you to say the word. No, I'm yeah, just, you're right. Like, it's the character in the movie. It's, yeah. Interesting. Right? She has eight arms. Very uncomfortable to like have a conversation with people like, hey, have you seen Octopussy yet? <laughs> what is this rated? It's got to be rated X. No, it's not. It's a Bond movie. It's, it's the same PG. as PG. It's the same as Depending any other Bond on when movie. when it came out. He has some uh, sex relations that aren't shown, which is fine, but that's about it. doesn't show me the rating, but I'm going to look at the... Parental. They probably had guide. different rating systems when it came out. Sex and nudies, nudity's moderate, nudity. which with Octopussy, I would imagine is not <laughs> true. There's Violence definitely gore, obviously moderate. multiple pornos made off of that. Yeah, oh. It's a PG movie that was released in 1983 because PG movies back then were crazy. <laughs> How is a movie titled Octopussy, Octopussy 
So <laughs> have you ever gone back and watched like E.T. again? Yeah. Like as an adult? Doesn't hold up. No, no. As an adult. I have not, I'll be honest. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So when it was doing its something year anniversary, I went and saw it in theater and I was like, this was a PG movie. This was what? a child's movie. Why? There's like, I think there's not dead bodies, but like some of the language in there. Like there wasn't a PG-13 back then. Is uh, this the octopusy? Yeah, that's her. I think so. I don't know. Pretty sure. This is weird. Does um, she have eight vaginas? I, I, I mean, this movie came tell. out a year before <laughs> I was born. so That was too far. I am apologize for that next episode. Thank you. Yeah, you're you can go ahead and do it now, along with everything else. No, nothing. I don't feel like I have to. Okay, I will apologize for that one, next one. Okay. But, yeah. So then, then we see her begin the spell. She talks about, um, uh, you know, her people are like, "Oh, it's forbidden." She says, "I'm Khaleesi. I'll tell you what's forbidden." And then Miriam door tells her, "Like everybody has to leave. Uh, the dead will dance here tonight. Like basically, get everybody out. No one else can come in once I start singing." The dead will dance here tonight. And I was like, freaky. That's weird. Yeah. Then they leave and immediately, well, first they cut the horse's throat and blood just, as you would imagine, just goes everywhere. Very sad. It's very sad, but Mm -hmm. it's also fine because horses scare me um, a lot. And um, in in real life, like not a show horse, but in real life, I don't like being around horses. Um, But then, then when they're walking away from the tent, you begin to hear all the sounds of, It's very scary. Like, okay, so without subtitles, what did you think those sounds were? I don't know. Keith. (laughs) Sounded like... (laughs) Justin, what did you think those sounds were? Well, I watched it with subtitles, so... And it says demonic shrieking. Right. But the first time Uh I watched it, I did not... Or the first couple times, I wasn't into watching shows with subtitles yet. Mm -hmm. And so um, I always kind of thought that that was the, the horse dying, I didn't think it was a horse dying. Okay. I thought it was like ghost noises or something like that. Like well, dead, later dead people noises. It was demons. Yeah. Hey, demons. Hey, it's demons. Me, your boy. Justin. Come um, say hi to him later, I guess. Come say hi to oh, me later. That's not, I don't want to check my luck. Come say No, stop. There they are. Right in the window. I don't I don't like joking about that shit. Well, I've I've invited the demon that lived in the yellow house to come hang out. Dude, that no. There's a demon in the yellow house? Yeah, right on the street. Is that man. Corey? Huh? Cody? Huh? <laughs> yep. He's the other. He's the tiny house. That's the other. No, when I, lived a house the, on the street. when I lived in the yellow house, uh-huh. the house was haunted. Oh, was it? I didn't know this. Yeah. Can we talk about that real quick? Um, Sure. So we lived there for Patreon? a couple. Patreon? <laughs> nah. What is Patreon going to do about this? We had a, uh, I lived in this yellow house up the street right, for yeah. a couple of years. And I think they're painting it now. No. Yeah. They, no. They redid it. They redid the. They, they yeah. finished the roof. They've done some different landscaping stuff. They someone else bought it, and didn't realize it was haunted. Um, we don't well, have to disclose I didn't, that. I didn't just so you know. Yeah. Why would you? We don't have to. As no a proof. realtor, you do not have to disclose hauntings. Nope. Do you have to disclose murders? Nope. So like all that's lies from the yep. TV shows. Yep. Mm. Yep. All right. Okay. So uh, we lived in a yellow house up the street. This is not the start of Wizard the uh, Wizard of Oz, but uh, the whole time she came we down were... in a fucking bubble. <laughs> Dog, I love that. Dog, and hold his on, hair, his hold hair bounces. On, hold on, hold on, hold on. That's You're what telling that... me. <laughs> and what does that make her? The Wicked Witch of the East, bro. 
That's one of the greatest. That was one of the greatest internet clips I've ever seen. And it, anytime it it makes rounds every now and then. Oh, yeah. Anytime I see it, I laugh and laugh and laugh. It's an audio on TikTok every now and again, and it's just delightful. Demon. <laughs> she came down on a fucking bubble dog. <laughs> and his hair, his hair is just bouncing. And he's so... And it's just like anytime we argue about anything, yeah, like yeah. I see myself in that and it's shameful. Tune in for our new show where we analyze <laughs> old vines. I'm down. I miss Vine. <laughs> um, so long story short, uh, I... I, I People had always told me that they felt like that that house was haunted. Like I when never, they came over, or people, just people. Okay. I had we had people that lived there, and just people talked about it being haunted. Mm-hmm. I never felt anything, had any reason to believe that. Um, then when we when I moved out of that house, I still had the lease for like two more weeks, and I our old building was still over here. Right. So I drove past the house all the time, every night, every day, uh, on the way to work. Mm -hmm. And from my house, from my, the place that I moved. And so I would drive by and I would always just kind of look, check, make sure everything's fine. Cause I was still responsible for the lease up for, you know, two more weeks. Right. I shut when we, you know, left like all the lights off the AC off everything, everything. Cause I didn't want to pay any, electricity if i didn't have to mm-hmm. um and so i checked on every time i drove by i would check the house kind of look around make sure everything was fine one night i was leaving over here at I like the story it was late i've never heard this story. It, was, it. it was probably after a thursday night mm-hmm. um but it was late one night it was after something some event and i was driving by and there was a light on upstairs in the house um some would call the attic no, no, no. It was the upstairs. There was two stories. Did it used to be an attic? A lot of times in those old houses, they like redo the attic space in the bedrooms. Did it Dude, feel like a, it used to be? No. No? Okay. No. All right. The I clearly is, am never going to go in there. The house was built in 1920. That's so what I mean. Go, they, used, they used to... Let's take our yeah. recording equipment and go right now. No. So it did not... I, nothing in Nick, my mind... Nick Ghost Hunter. Nothing in my mind said, this is... Haunted. Haunted. I didn't really even believe that that was like a real thing i always thought the people who talked about like ghosts and hauntings were like crazy people lying or you know dramatic right so that wasn't the thought in my mind the thought in my mind was i probably left this light on and every night that i've driven past it for the last week and a half have just somehow not noticed that it's on it's probably me or you haven't gone late enough or what yeah whatever so i pull in you know unlock the door go in uh, you know, didn't turn on any lights, whatever, go up the stairs. The stairs are really narrow. And I basically existed up, you know, when I lived there in the bottom level of that house, bedroom, bathroom, my living space, the other were extra bedrooms, different roommates lived there. They sat empty. You know, we didn't have roommates there, like whatever. Or so, so you thought it wasn't a space that I ever really used. Mm-hmm. Um, it was creepy. It's an old house. It was built in 1920. Like it's it's an old house. It's got that old character and the creep, whatever. Right. I had to go. It was in so the upstairs. It was this like little seating area with a window. You know, you can make it a reading area. Mm. You know, it was the landing though. The light up there was on. The for whatever reason, the light at the bottom of the stairs didn't impact it, even though it should have. Of course not. So I had to go upstairs. I went up there, and the second that I turned the light off, I had a... I don't even know how to describe it. I've, tr- I've tried for yeah, I don't like years. It 
I had a feeling that I've never had in my life that I would up until that point have never acknowledged being a real feeling. The only thing I can describe it as was evil. Mm-hmm. I felt a this, presence of this some kind, oppressive yeah. presence and I felt an urgency to, I've got chill bones right now. I felt an urgency I'm gonna stay to here tonight, just so you know. get out as quickly as I could. Mm-hmm. I ran down the stairs, out the door, you know, didn't even lock. I just shut the door and I left. And that was that. But every multiple times throughout my couple of years living there, other people had said, I think that this house is haunted. I feel some kind of weird thing. I had never, ever felt or believed any of it until that night. I shut a light off, just a light. It, mm. I do that in every house I've ever lived in every single night. But for whatever reason, this uh, it, it, the only words to describe it was this oppressive presence. I felt like scared all of a sudden. Again, when I walked in, I just thought I left a light on. I'm gonna go turn it off. There's no reason to to think anything different, right? And so um, that confirmed what everyone else had said. I then had my own experience with it. Yeah. Well, I've always found it interesting that you just can't describe. You, you're you're a pretty descriptive person. I can't. There's. I don't. And have you've words never for really it. been able to describe that feeling. And I feel I've actually had that a couple times in houses that I've shown. Um, whether I am there after the people have left that I'm showing or right before that. Uh, one was with Michael Forsyth and uh, and his family. At the insane asylum. It was nuts. I mean, there were there were uh, doors and all the doors locked from the outside, uh, and just there were random pieces of furniture in different places, um, which is not that uncommon. But when you pair that with uh, I'm talking about holes in the holes in the rooms. Um, just this weird feeling to the point where Bree and me were both like, "Okay, we're done here. Like we're we're out of here." And it was a great value in an interesting place, like you know, close to downtown Grove, and it's not bad. And like it just had this feeling of what happened here. Something happened here, and I have no idea what it is. Um, but no, it, you know, we do not have to disclose those kind of things. If, if we were to know, I know I didn't know about it with that house, but I told them when they got there cause they were a little bit late. And so I had gone in and turned the lights on cause that's, you know what we do. And I was like in there, like I'm not even normally I'll stay in the house and say, Hey, I'm inside. Y'all come in when you want. I didn't even stay in the house. I turned the lights on and I walked out and was like, I'm not even going to. And they were like, Oh, you're, you're still out here. I thought you were, you know, this is with Brian and Michael. This was with Brian and Michael. Okay. And, and I said, yeah, you'll see when you, when we get in there, I got a weird feeling in there. <laughs> so yeah, it's just funny how you get those feelings and, and, but that, yeah, you've told me that story multiple times and it always ugh, freaks me out. Yeah. I can never, I, yeah. Cause I, I wanted to buy that house from the owners. Right. I remember you saying that. And they did not want to sell. They ended up having other tenants move in who trashed the place and then moved out a year later, I guess when they're leasing. Or maybe it. the mm-hmm. demon trashed the place. And then they sold the house after that. And I was really bummed because I wanted to buy it. And maybe it's like an Amityville, Amityville horror or a, or a conjuring thing where the demon like threw shit at them. They trashed the place. You don't know. Uh, who knows? But all that to say, I've invited him to come hang out. Don't do that shit. God, Why? I, I don't like it when you play like that. that those are things, just things you don't play with. Okay. Hey, That's demon, one of them. Dude. Can you hear me from up the street? Come hang this. out. That's what was happening in this tent with 
demonic full sounds. circle i <laughs> love voices. how you brought it back because i full couldn't remember circle. where we were we were at the demonic voices uh the, sound, was the, on, you'd known that. the sounds were crazy uh then we see <laughs> then we see danny's walking off uh quotho comes through the crowd uh jor's back with his armor on he pushes danny to the ground uh, kind of pushes her aside and she trips and falls. He doesn't shove her on the ground, but he shoves her. It could have been harder. Unnecessary. She falls, uh, seemingly, you know, jostles the the baby. Um, then which it, trauma to the tra- trauma to the stomach can absolutely induce labor, hundred percent, and, and premature labor. That's and a true thing. Nick that does. Nick just tried to discredit uh, the experience of being pregnant and, and having trauma. So that's you can apologize not for true. It. I did say Quoto could have pushed her harder. Sure, but you can I apologize for that next week too. <laughs> We don't condone pushing pregnant women. Or I don't women. condone it either, but it wasn't a very uh, believable push. It was more of a, eh. and Quotha would have been really upset. He and wasn't been pushing like, her Ugh. out of anger. He was pushing past her to get to the tent to defend oh, Drogo. Well, I would have pushed her out Which of is anger. what his vows bid him to do. Sure. Okay. He wasn't shoving her to yeah, I'm shove not saying her. it's okay to shove pregnant women. Was, I was just saying was if you did, you'd probably her. push her harder. He wasn't trying to push her. He okay. was just moving past her. She was in his way, so he kind of gave her a little smudge, and she fell on the baby and jostled the baby. sensitive. It's just, I, you're, you've got a lot of shit to apologize for. I'm going to make you a list, and okay. next week you can read it off. But well, I, that's because I had none this episode. What? That's because yeah, I had none I know, this you episode. you got to make up for it. it up. Right. You don't have to do that, just so you know. Oh, okay. Um, so then we get, uh, the scene where Quotho is about to walk into the tent and, uh, Jorah says that's far enough horse Lord, which I couldn't figure out if no he further, was yeah. no further horse Lord. I couldn't figure out if he was honoring him or shit talking him. In that I think moment. it's a, I think it's a, a, a term then in Dothraki that is used there, but it just English, you know, uh, translation would mean horse Lord. I don't think that it's derogatory. I don't think that it's... It's just... It, that's how it translates, if that makes sense. That makes sense. Now, it's a fake language. It's kind of so. a cool title. Horse sure, Lord? Sure. Sounds tight. Yeah. Uh, especially with their regard for horses. Like, you get that, that might be... Yeah. Kind of awesome. Yeah. Uh, so then we see... You know, they have this battle, and um, we see the armor has some significance. We get a glimpse into... What Dothraki versus Westerosi Knight battle may be like. Obviously, it's just a small sample size. It's two guys. Um, we don't know about Quotho's, you know, fighting ability. We don't know about Jor's fighting ability. We but can assume that it's pretty uh, substantial for both. Yeah, we would. Ima- mm-hmm. I would imagine both. Um, we see no armor on Quotho, just the Iraq. Um, and then Jor's got his armor and his his long sword or his broadsword or whatever. Uh, so then they get into this battle. It doesn't last super long. It's kind of a cheesy ending when he gets the Iraq stuck on Jorah and he's like trying to pull it off and Jorah just swings and cuts his face and then he's dead. I don't know. It seemed that seemed less believable than the push, in my opinion. Huh. Um, he, but I don't know. I just I feel like Justin wants to see pregnant women pushed harder. No, that's me. Me. You said it was well, less not in than the general. Push. Jeez, oh he was God. saying that the this push was a little out of The hand. push was not believable. No. I said it was. No, I, oh, okay. I'm not defending pushing pregnant women. I'm just saying if you're gonna do it, <laughs> I couldn't even finish that one. I, 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 that's clearly a joke. I don't. That's not. A, well, it's not funny. So either. then, then we see Danny maybe going into labor, experiencing some kind of trauma. Mm. 
Uh, she Jorah calls for the midwives, and um, Ricaro. Ricaro says they won't come. They won't come. He says they will, or I'll have their heads. And then Ricaro's like, "Well, the witch. I heard the witch say that she could bring the witch the baby. can bring baby. I hear her say it. And um, and then you know, Jorah carries Danny towards the tent, and um, and, the and camera pans weirdly up at the tent, and then we cut to. A fun scene with Tyrion and Bronn and Shay where they're playing some drinking games. Oh, God. We have so much to get to. No, we don't. Oh. Westerosi drinking games are different than American drinking games mm. by a lot. Mm. Uh, the I fire. feel like people still play the, the candle one. <laughs> um, the candle one that I used to play wasn't a game that I willingly played. It was my friends liked to put a flame on the tip of this middle finger that I have no feeling in. Yeah. And just see how long I could hold it. And the answer is always unlimited. Yeah. Until I don't it, yeah. feel anything there. doesn't sound like friends. Well, <laughs> high school friends. I don't, talk, how, to, I don't, I don't talk to them anymore. Yeah. If that means anything. High school friends. Of course uh, I would do that. Too. <laughs> right. Cause I can't feel anything in the, like Did you do something to it. Yeah. It's it. I cut, you, like the, cut, you almost cut it, it was, off, right? It was dangling when yeah. I got to the hospital just for fun. Yeah. He's for fun. It was that demon got him. The oh, demon, yeah. we were playing, we were having a drinking game one night, and uh, it was the one where Bron, the, Bron started to the explain. The Bravosi knife and, game. And Tyrion said, is there a chance of losing fingers? It was that one. Uh, there is a chance of losing fingers. I did not. But, we, but I almost did. Three of them, actually. We move oh. into the drinking game of choice for Tyrion, which is he guesses things about your past, if he's right. Kind of brutal. Drink. That's Tyrion, though. He's He is real like he doesn't he, he let's not sugarcoat who we are he said that to john he said that about himself before let's not sugarcoat who you are that's who you are own it if you know wear it like like armor and can never be used against you so you know it's not that surprising but yeah it is um one that uh playing with someone you just met might be kind of difficult yeah might not be and Shay doesn't seem super she into says it. that she doesn't want to play he says we'll start with Braun, and uh so he he says your father beat you Braun drinks and then says, but my mother hit harder. That's right. Uh, then he... Um, it's not fair to ask that. As someone who's seen it once. <laughs> I was just seeing like... Because that's one of those lines that... It's funny. Like, that, yeah. one's, that one's a good one. Yeah, it's um, funny. Both of Braun's are like... Or well, two of his three are like funny. Like, you What know, was the second one? The second one was um, you've been north of the wall. And then, this, and then the next one... And, and Shay says like, what brought you up there? He says work. Uh, but the next one is um, oh, that's is me. you killed your first no he, he says you killed your first man before you were twelve and he says it was a woman. it was a woman Tyrion <laughs> drinks and Shay looks at him and he says well she saw she swung an axe at me and yeah. then then Tyrion then he has the one where he talks about you know being in love and and but it ended badly and so you never let yourself love again and oh wait oh wait, oh, wait. that's that me, me. <laughs> uh yeah and then he then he's trying to get shay to play he says look at the fun we're having it's fun <laughs> look at the fun we're having and i just thought to myself <laughs> that's how i try to make friends is i try to explain that this is actually fun though you an outsider may not think so well that's how drunk me uh drunk me plays <laughs> it's like Come on. No, we're having fun. Look at the fun we're having. <laughs> and that's and that's that how we should end be up, the subtitle for our podcast. That's how we end up Look with Look at the fun we're having. You know, Isn't this fun, everyone? <laughs> Listen to our podcast. 
Oh, then we get into we do have fun. then we, we get do. into Tywin or I mean uh, Tyrion's story. Yeah, uh, Bronn mentions Oof. that our Lord here was married before. Then he starts telling the story, and oof, it's what? a tough one. A dad. Yeah, I wrote here that Tywin is a monster and a piece of shit and a piece of shit. And one, here's an interesting fun fact for those of you who have not read the books. Uh, there's an element of the story that Tyrion left out that's that's that is in the books that cha- that makes the story even worse. So does he tell the story differently in the book, or we know the story differently because of the book? He tells it differently. He, okay. he tells it differently. Um, I, the detail, the main, he left out a couple little things, but the the bigger detail that he left out that really makes the story even worse and makes Tywin worse is Tywin made Tyrion join in to what was happening to Tysha. The gangbang. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought that we could get there without explaining it. I'm uh, I'm here for the gangbang. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's going to get that that reference, but it's a good one. Is it? It's old school. Um, not, not yeah, Luke it. Wilson answers the door. He comes home on his wife a little early from a business trip, and she's cheating on him. And uh, then the, the doorbell rings, and so he goes and gets it, and it's a comedian. I can't remember his name, but he says, I'm uh, here for the gangbang. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah. Anyways, sorry. <laughs> that's bad. <laughs> so that's a detail that we don't get in the show. If anyone's w- looking to hire, uh, Keith's looking for a job. <laughs> Clearly, constantly. He's about to be. <laughs> um. So I just thought that that was one of those things that, like, from the books, is because I think that it, it helps show even more the the disconnect between Tyrion and his siblings and his dad and the family. Uh, it obviously shows like he's he's hurt and he alludes to it in a joking manner a couple of times, like moments before this with the, you know, thing with Braun about, you know, you never let yourself love again. Oh, wait, that's me. Like he seemingly doesn't really know how to be an emotionally intelligent person and, and process those things. But we see because he's experienced some really horrible shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just thought that that was one of those details that that actually made it even worse than what they portrayed in the show, uh, which a lot of times they go over overboard. They show extra or they add in things that weren't really there to, you know, uh, uh, spice up a little bit, but they actually left that one out. And I thought like that was an interesting choice. Um, and they go in a little deeper too uh, into those two. So in the show, he mentions that a couple weeks later, the Septon, the Septon uh, sobers up and tells his father, they go into some detail about what happened in those two weeks where they, had a house by the sea and they spent days, uh, you know, together and, and, you know, just were enjoying each other's company. And so it, it's different than like, it, in my head, when it comes to the show, the way that it responds, like, okay, this guy spent one night with this woman and he's, he's obviously young, but in a head over heels in love. Um, and then experiencing that. But in reality, he spent a couple weeks with this woman. And if yeah, you, and you know, I, feel like I caught that when you said like two weeks or whatever. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's. And they get, but they ugh. go into it a little bit, a little deeper with the place by the sea and the singing. And yeah, the, that makes you it know, far worse. Yeah, right. I mean, if, you, if you've been on a honeymoon, like that's what you know, a, a week or so, yeah. or a few days or a couple of weeks, whatever you took, you, you find a lot of joy and love there. That That's imagining what that was. And then you get back from your honeymoon and your dad makes Surprise. your entire, yeah, the entire army just blow through her. Sorry. 
<laughs> so that was just a moment where we, I think, it, we're given a glimpse into Tyrion and who he is as a character. Uh, why he thinks the way he does, why he acts the way he does, some of the experiences that have made him who he is. And it, it I think, kind of connects you with Tyrion a little bit. You have some empathy for him, some, mm-hmm. some care and compassion for him. Uh, even though he is rough around the edges, like you, you can you can find a space to to have some love for him. I think, um, I think it opens Bronn's eyes a little bit too, because up until that point, Bronn knew that he had been married, but he was sure there was some kind of funny story to it. And then Bronn's response is, "I would have killed the man who did that to me." Yeah. And then Shay says, "You should have known she wasn't a whore or whatever." Um, but then she and then climbs on top yeah, while so. Bronn just kind of like gets up and okay. walks out. <laughs> Uh, That's which my he was not asked to leave. He could have hung out if he wanted and maybe been there for the gangbang. No. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. Then we then we you see you have to be physically invited to a gangbang. I don't think you can just like slip in there. I don't know if you're there never, and it starts and they don't ask you to leave. I've never been a part of one. Me either. Yeah. Keith. Nope. <laughs> Good answer. Then well, we then we see Tyrion's woken up the next morning with the news that it's time. Like. Look. Yeah. Let's do this shit. Uh, and he gives this really rousing speech, uh, you know, to to you know the 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 the, uh, the hill tribes and the and the moon brothers birds, and stone crows and the and painted dogs and painted and painted dogs. dogs. Uh, and then it's really anticlimactic because Tyrion gets hit in the head with they a hammer. They do him so dirty because in the books, in the books, he's a part of that battle. Yep. In the books, he's a part of that battle and does fairly he does well. well. He does well enough to for people to acknowledge it, like his con- contribution to the effort. Yeah, but in the in the show, they just whack him in the head. That's and then, called budgeting. Yeah, I guess it's true. It's a battle scene that would have been pretty expensive, probably. And they're early on, and right. they're trying to cut. Well, where we they don't can. get that battle. We don't get the whispering wood either, which is the next one. But before we get that, Sorry. Tyrion wakes up and he's like, uh, "We won." <laughs> And Bron's like, yeah, we, we wouldn't, wouldn't be having, be this, having conversation. this conversation if we didn't. Uh, then Tywin basically says, like, uh, yeah, I mean, we won, but the Stark forces weren't here. Well, did we at least get the Stark boy? Nope. Where was he? With the rest of his men. And I just, it it, it shows a little bit of this strategy. Like, obviously, Tywin got bamboozled, bamboozled a little bit. Like, he was there. He I was, thought Tywin was being sarcastic, though. Like, I, 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 read it as Tywin being sarcastic, like, the scouts were wrong. There were only 2,000, those idiots. Well, he you said know, there weren't 20, there were 2,000. Right, 2,000, not 20,000. And then... See, I thought he was saying 20. What? I thought he just meant, like, he thought there was only going to be 20 people there. Oh, okay. But, oh. but now hearing no. you say that out loud, that makes well, more sense. Well, so the, the the scout that, they, that the Starks captured in the previous episode... He said, Went back and told them. They said, how, how high did you get? And he said, 20,000. And then they let him go. And so he goes and tells Tywin there's 20,000. And then Tywin you know, meets them in the field and there's only 2,000. Did you read it as Tywin was legitimately saying Rob wasn't here? He was with his other 18,000 men, which I, we understand was the truth. But I, I read it as he realized that he got bamboozled and was oh. kind of humored by it. Like he was because Tywin sh- has shown before, like he's a little bit amused by like 
the mm. game that he's playing. He seems to be having fun. He knows that he's Interesting. he's the man. And I mean, we know that the the Lannister forces are sixty thousand because he talks about like sending Jamie with half of our forces, thirty thousand men, to do one thing to take back. You know, the take river the, the river run, and then that's if that's half, then that's obviously sixty. I don't feel like Tywin views Rob as a threat. I view this as a uh, he strategically got me this time, but. I mean, I whatever. I always I read it as him being. I always always have read it as him being sarcastic. Um, Keith, I'd be interested. So then, where would Rob? Where would he think Rob actually is? That he's not actually there. He's just you know hiding in Winterfell, cowering like the like you know the little young boy lord that he is. That's interesting because I. That's how I take it. Different take. That's the pride of Tywin Lannister is that is that he you know. Okay, I almost did it. I kind of, I, I honestly, I kind of feel like he <laughs> so close. I, I feel like, and I've always felt like watching it that he genuinely thinks that, oh, this young kid got the best of me this time. I don't, yeah, I don't, do I don't take again. that at all. I don't, I don't, I don't get that at all. Now, I think that's interesting because you definitely can. That's what I want to ask Keith. I kind of am on the Justin page. Okay, I think the last episode he said something about something that they were doing, and I was like, oh, he thinks it's funny. Like, yeah, it, he's it, like he respects him a little bit, but he thinks it's like meh, he hey, respects the he respects the boldness of this young boy, but doesn't believe that he poses a real threat. Right. And so mm. it, it, my takeaway is that in this scene, he showed up expecting 20,000. They blew through these 2000 men. They He's asked, so did we get Rob? Nope. Where is he? Well, he's with the rest of his men. And it kind of had this lighthearted, but also kind of like frustrated dynamic yeah. of like, yeah. And the no, lighthearted nature is why the lightheartedness is why I, I think he would be a much more serious if he had gotten played by an 18 year old kid. But the like play didn't, didn't, it didn't negatively do anything to them that he knows of yet. Oh yeah, because okay. he, he doesn't know the out- know he doesn't know the outcome changed. of the yeah, whispering Jamie. wood because that's yeah. what's happening simultaneously. Correct. So then we cut to and these things are happening in the book simultaneously. The right. battle of what you don't know is called the battle of the whispering wood, mm-hmm. which is where Rob comes through the trees explain, back to Catelyn. Explain why it's called the whispering wood. So the the in my mind how the landscape is laid out is there's this ridge that goes around this crest and in the middle there's obviously this wood and and there that's where the battle takes place down in this valley mm-hmm. and there's this ridge up around well a, as the book story All these talks about ridges and woods man <laughs> you're getting oh god <laughs> should we pull up a picture of nala and and plaster for you i've got to leave <laughs> this is too much um right on the couch so so rob stark this is a in the books a monumental moment for him as a commander. He demolishes strategically the Lannister troops that are that are going to River Run to try to to take over, you know, the Tullys and remind Catelyn Stark and all that stuff. So his eighteen destroy the thirty. His eighteen thousand destroy the thirty, but it's all based on strategy. They talk about the strategy right. that's employed. But one thing that sticks with every everyone that talks about Whispering Wood from this moment to the rest of the show, they talk about this wolf. And they talk about how you could hear wolf howls. And obviously, if you think about the setting, this ridge, the wood, mm-hmm. mm. think about the acoustics. 
and how the sounds kind of play off of spaces like that. There's this kind of this this mystical fear because they what what happens is people who were there at the battle describe seeing this wolf come out of nowhere, attack someone, and then it was gone. And then someone else that was on the other side of the of the battle would say, "I saw the same thing." And then someone else, it was like this this mystical creature is like fucking everything up. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a strategic win. Rob is on a roll. This kind of sets the stage for him as a commander. This was the moment when in the books you are really it's solidified in your mind that Rob is not a Rob, Rob, yeah, no, Rob, Rob is not a novice. Yeah. Rob is is a real threat. They don't really they don't even show the battle. Um, they kind of you know he he they teeter on it later. They talk about they do about, yeah. But, but the wolf thing and you're left to believe that that's probably Grey Wind. Though mm-hmm. we haven't really seen Grey Wind since the last episode. But that's they how the wolves are. They're there and they're, and they're not. not. Um, Again, I think it's budget. It is, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, there's some other elements that you know we'll talk about later on in the show, like when we get there. But um, anyway, it's it's talked about. It's this all through the books the rest of the time. It comes up frequently. Yeah, the whispering Yeah, that's a much better scene than they just bring Jamie it is. out. It, it, and they're it's like, a little, here he is. Correct. Because I was like, oh, they like. And I think that's a good point. I've I've kind of him. wondered why, but the budget thing is a good point. This is season one of this eventually massive. I mean, t- I'm talking about like world renowned franchise. I well, mean, and in later seasons, they show battles thing, that have have that top a battle in season six is the biggest battle ever shown on screen. Then right. they do one one episode later that's even bigger the than that. Battle, and, then, yeah. and they do so that the, over, but but that's because the show at that point is solidified. For, yeah, the budget in the future is unlimited. But right. at this point, it is not. They don't even know that they're going to get a second season correct, yet. Correct, correct. And so I think that's a good point. Um, they, they knock Tyrion out quick. They don't show the Whispering Wood, which, uh, yeah, there's some good battles in the show. But in, the, in the books... In the books, the Battle of Whispering Wood is up to where, really cool. where we are in the books, because we're not done, is my favorite battle. Yeah, it's Now, really part cool. of that is because really I love cool. Rob, yeah. but uh, the Battle of Whispering Wood is the thing that solidifies Rob in his leadership and launches him into this uh, revere and respect from other people, even people who are not supporters of the North, as this, like, experienced battle commander. It's where, Tywin, it's where Tywin realizes that, oh, shit, okay, this guy's for real. And we see a little bit of the outcome. We see they come through victorious. They do have Jamie Lannister. They Correct. do have the Kingslayer, who's been talked about as one of the f- most feared warriors in the realm. Uh, and he's snarky. He's fuck Jamie. He's a bastard. Not... Actually, but he's yeah no he's, he's the trueborn son but yeah he but he is a <laughs> he's just a prick yeah um he's you know he's not like a John Snow bastard he's like he's a not like a Justin he's like bastard. a fat bastard, he's like a bastard. Fat ba- yeah, yeah yeah you really are a fat bastard <laughs> and then we just see a little bit more of like why I love Rob <laughs> yes. Nick's so happy over there I just I have these movie quotes that are stuck in my head that uh, no one else in the world has and well there's one person in the world that does. Uh, Daniel Gettings, but that uh, but Danny boy, exactly. shout out to Daniel. Shout out to Daniel. He doesn't listen. That's okay. He does not. Um, um, but Rob, Rob holds my heart in this scene for a different reason. It's a good one. He, you know, they they're celebrating, but he is focused on the fact that he sent two thousand men to their death. Mm-hmm. He knew he knew the cost going into it. He had no expectation that they would pull something out. He said, 
I sent 2,000 men to their, their grave. And Theon says, yeah, but there's going to be songs written about them. And Rob's response is, but, but the, the dead, dead won't, hear won't hear them. And he said, and then everybody's celebrating. He's kind of bringing it all back down. Like, yo, let's let's chill out a little bit. One victory does not make us conquerors. You know, did we free my father? Did we get my sisters back? Did we free the North? Uh, this From wars- those who won us on our knees. Yeah. And he has a little voice crack there, too, that's like, Oh man, I'd fight for him. Yeah, oh, 100%. I'd do anything he wanted. I'm a little bitch and I don't think I'd fight for a lot of stuff, but I would I I think I'd fight for Rob. Um yeah, then this this war is far from over and I'm like, hell yeah, let's do this shit. Well, even before that when uh Jamie says like choose your weapons, just me and you, and he specifically does that in front of all of Rob's men so he knows that okay, he's saying, "Hey, I want to save that save thousands of lives." Just me and you. Let's do this. And Rob says, if we did it your way, you'd win. Which for a young warrior who's trying to prove himself, that's a pretty appealing. Like you can, you could end all of this and kill the Kingslayer. And Rob has the wherewithal to say, I'm not an idiot. Yeah, he knows. I left that open ended so that you could finish the line. I don't remember the line. Well, he said, if we did it your way, you'd win. We're not doing it your way. Oh yeah, and he has so this like s- this like attitude in in his face when he delivers it to. He's like he, he's just telling Jamie like fuck you. You you may mean something to the people where you're from. You, you mean, mean nothing to dick us. To me, yeah. your what you say, your manipulation, your attempts at trying to control this are not going to work because I'm in control here. I'm in yeah. charge, and we're going to do it my way. Love me some Rob, man. Rob's great. Um, then we finally have arrived at the dreaded scene Ugh. at the at the steps of the Sept of Baylor. Uh, we see, you know, the brief scene where Arya's. It's a throwaway, but it's her figuring out. She she's got to get there. We got to get Arya there. That's how they move her. There is the scene where she's trying to, you know, buy some food and everybody's running away. So then we get there. Uh, Ned is brought before everybody. He's brought up on the steps on the platform. The background was he weird. He sees Arya. He sees her. He sees Arya. He he sees Yorn in the crowd. They've already met once before, which Yorn has already actually met Arya as well. Yep. And uh, and he you know mumbles Baylor, and then he says it a little bit a little bit louder. So Yorn looks and says, "Okay, the statue of Baylor there," and he sees Arya. Arya. And so he goes and grabs her because connects the dots because. Ned knows from Varys that they don't have Arya. They don't know where she is. And he sees her. And so he's making sure that she's taken care of. We know Sansa's up there. We know Sansa's well in the grasp of of the Queen and Joffrey and all those people. But but we don't know where Arya is, according to Ned. So he sees her, sends Yorin, go grab her. And, you know, and then obviously Yorin grabs her. And thankfully he does. Yeah. Because then she doesn't witness... Heads roll. Heads roll. So uh, Ned, what was interesting is Ned wasn't prompted to go into his monologue. He just walked up there and then started doing it. It's like he knew, like... I think that probably was the... We're all waiting for you, bud. Yeah, that was probably the the precursor of, like, the reason why they're out at the Sept of 100%, like, but hey, I let expected... Me, let them know I want to confess. I expected some kind of, like... Well, so He's come to confess his crimes. Something. But he yeah. just walks up and just starts confessing uh grandmaster picel is the worst and he's standing trial or or as he's really serving to be the announcer right. uh and then they look at joffrey and joffrey talks about like 
you know, uh, my mom wants me to send him to the wall, you know, let him take the black, you know, uh, Sansa has begged for her father's mercy. Uh, but they have, what does he say? The, the soft, soft hearts, hearts of, of women. women. What a piece. And of as shit. soon as he delivered that line, I, re- I remember the first time thinking, Oh shit. Oh shit. <laughs> At what point did you know? It was there. It was there. He, you can see his eyes he's like just so giddy about l- it. He's fired up, and God, you so see good. when I don't. If you have to kind of make sure you're paying attention, but mad madness kind of breaks out yeah. around him. Mm-hmm. You see, Varys, Varys run. runs. Pycelle kind of has a moment. The Queen, she screams yeah, at like, him. Reaction. I well, was like, again, oh. if you don't have subtitles, Cersei says, "My son, this is madness." Yep. And, I had them on at this point. <laughs> okay. Well, good for you. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah. She says, my son, this is madness. Sansa screaming, stop. And he is feeding. You can, if you watch Joffrey's face, he did a phenomenal job acting in this scene. He's very good. He he's just really a piece a of fuck. shit. Yeah. He is feeding off of the He did a frenzy. great job portraying Joffrey, though. 100%. Joffrey's the same way in the books. You hate him. He did a really good job of portraying Joffrey. Great it's just actor. unfortunate that he's one of the most hated people in television history. Yeah. So, anyways, yeah. So and, and Ned is just kind of looking around at this angry mob. Sir Illyn, bring me his bring head. Bring me his head. And Illyn Payne drops the the executioner's hood over his head. That sword is giant. Giant. And then the scene ends with, you know, Arya's fighting Yorin. He's just holding her, and you see this moment where Ned seem seems to accept his fate. He sees he Baylor down a what, little bit. What helps him is he sees the sept. He sees the the Baylor statue, and he sees that Arya's not there anymore. Yeah, and so at that point, he feels he, like it's it's gonna be okay. He said, "Okay, so she's taken care of. I have walked back." I've done the non. You said last episode in the Keith knows that you didn't think he would. He would, mm-hmm. uh, you know, walk that back. He does walk it back. He feels like that has saved Sansa, possibly from continual torture. He sees that Arya is taken care of. He knows that Ro- that Cat and Rob are back doing their thing. And everything goes quiet. If you've ever seen uh, For Love of the Game with Kevin Costner, he clears the mechanism and everything goes quiet. And then he just bends his head down because he's learned how to die a long time ago. Yeah. And he's cleaned it all up. And I have goosebumps and there might be some tears. And (laughs) the scene is over. The episode is over. How, I mean, how did you feel? Like I, I needed to watch the next one and then I didn't. And then you did. No, I didn't. Tell us, give us your synopsis I, of episode no, 10. No, I didn't watch it. It okay. is okay if I you promise. do that. I'm I know. just saying. I know it is, but I, I'm really trying not to. Good. And Good. it sucked. It did Because this, this is... one, like, literally everyone but Joffrey was against this. The queen. Yeah. It, it's Because she knows it's a stupid decision. Because, again, a tame wolf is much more useful to her than a dead one. Ned can go back. He can tell... The only person that can tell Rob to stop doing that... Is Ned. Is Ned. Yeah. And and Cersei knows that. She had a... I mean, again, the beauty of this is that it was a book series, or it is a book series, still going. But... So we see foreshadowing so much. Go back to episode 
three, maybe. I don't know if y'all remember when we were saying Cersei's a terrible parent mm-hmm. because she's she's having this conversation of strategy with her son about what do you do with the North? You know, they're they they have a larger spans than than all the other kingdoms combined. Uh, you've now asked them to you know fight against their kinsmen, stuff like that. She's she's thought that she's taught Joffrey these things. Clearly, she has not. Mm-hmm. Clearly, he doesn't get it. Clearly, he doesn't get what she think, what she knows, which is. A tame wolf is more use than a dead wolf. Ned could have Ned could stop this war. Ned could keep the keep the peace. You could send him to the wall. He's not going to bother anybody anymore. And yet, you did this. Bring me his head. You Joffrey it up. You Joffrey. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, tough one to watch every time. It's never. Uh, it's getting easier. I'm getting more numb to it, as I said at the beginning of this episode, but. Uh, it's still tough to watch. Takes you ten times, yeah, to get kind of numb, dude. Wow. When he bends down, and you see the back of his neck, like, like you know that that's one where it's like, man, you just you know what's coming. You just don't know when it's coming. Um, differently than Keith Winter, but it's you just it's it's hard. And I mean, you look at throughout history, like there's multi, lots of lots and lots and lots and lots of people who've gotten their heads chopped off and they all that we're watching it you know that used to be a thing that people would go and watch that shit happen we've never really seen that and thankfully we didn't have to see it this time either no no we didn't but um but anyways it's just yeah that that's a crazy way to watch it happen well hopefully you are listeners all doing all right emotionally nick (laughs) nick may not not doing okay uh, but uh, thanks for tuning in. I want to hear briefly from you, Keith. Uh, episode 10, Keith the season knows. finale, is titled Fire and Blood. And I want to know what's your predictions on episode 10. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fighting, I hope. Beyond that, I really don't know. Um, I am unsure of what will happen with uh, Drogo. Hmm. Because I still don't know where magic actually is in this world. Um, yeah, I, I, I really don't know. Just because, like I said, like everyone was against what Joffrey just did. But I don't know how his mom will react. I don't know how... I mean, obviously the people were screaming traitor and everything. The people... But who mobs mobs eat that shit up, yeah. right? That's how that goes. They would have done that no matter who. If it was Joffrey up there, about to get executed, like they just yeah. love. And but Rob has Jamie, so that's true. There's a lot of a lot of shit happening. There's a lot of things happening right now. Who who's your favorite character up to this point? Um, I really like Arya. I really I've become. I don't think I'm at the level where you guys are, but I like Rob. Um. Forgot his name, the dance instructor. Was Cheerio. hoping to see him again. Hopefully, I see him later. What What's your favorite storyline that we're following? Uh, I don't know. I also really like Tyrion. Yeah, good yeah, choice. Tyrion's yeah. a good one. Yeah, there's a lot of like strong, well, like well written characters. What storyline? Because we've seen episodes where we don't get. Sp- particular storylines what storyline are you most looking forward to in the next episode if uh, if, if and if the episode was only about one of the storylines we're seeing, i guess rob and and what's going to happen with his army 
Okay. That's a good one. I mean, and what you said is why there's so much screen time and we as a collective Game of Thrones fandom still feel like there's so much more to be uh so much more to be, you know, uncovered, which we still have another book coming. Um, two, two books, apparently. God, it's taken him 10 years to get this one out. It's supposed to be two books. Yeah. Is what he said. Okay. We're also getting House of the Dragon. I still think, and I'm going to put this on the internet. I don't know if I put it out there yet, but I still think, so the last book that came out, uh, we talked about this off air. The last book that came out coincided with the first season being released. I think that this new book, Winds House of Winter, of is going to coincide with the with the House of Dragon being released, which is apparently twenty twenty two. I think he has it done. I think he I probably don't know if it's has, done, but yeah, I think he right. probably has both of them done. Both? Yeah. Wow. Okay. And I think that he's he's playing up this whole. I don't know. It's taking me a right. long time. Like I think he has them done. I think he's a strategist. We're also getting apparently two animated shows. Yeah, more more shows, um, which will be great. I mean, I think they know that there's a there's a, a a fandom out there, which is why we made this podcast. Tell your friends, tell other other fans of the show. This was one of those shows where you watch it with people. I mean, I remember I I drove three hours to three and a half hours to watch it with my friends that I watched the first seven seasons with. Um, you know that that was it, it's something you do, and so. I, tell your friends about it. Tell your friends about this podcast. Um, it's a great way to rewatch it, getting ready for House of the Dragon, getting ready for more books. And Keith, when you get done with this podcast, when you get done with the rewatch, there is lots more content for you to, uh, you know. Yeah, that was actually going to be one of my questions at the end of this episode. Like, am I good to read the first book? Yeah. Yes. Okay. I would, I would, I would, I would recommend it. Actually. I think the first four seasons are first four, yeah, five, five seasons, right? The first five seasons correlate to books. To books, yeah. Okay, so, so season, the first season is the first book. Book one, season, season one. You can't, uh, you can't read past the second book. So season, season three and four are the third book. Right. So yeah. Anyways, but yeah. But I can yeah. read the first book. Correct. Now. Yes. And be okay. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Um, Instagrams? Instagram is at Dragon's Dreadforts. And yours? Where can we follow you, Justin? At JNeil100. I would love I would love your follows. Keith, what about the, our Patreon? Uh, I'm getting a new cat. A, a different one? <laughs> a second one? Yeah, I'll tell you about it later. Why don't you tell us about it now? Dude, Wait. this cat already hates me. You're getting another one that's going to hate me? Here's no. what happened. It's another situation where I'm taking in a poor lost soul. Oh, that's great. A poor unfortunate soul? Poor unfortunate soul. Poor unfortunate soul. Wait, um, that's the second second one that we... Yeah, well... Second Ursula. Uh, yeah, that's good. So my Instagram will be full of pictures of my cats and my kids. So <laughs> if you like that shit and you like our podcast, follow yeah, JNL100. If, if you like to follow House Moms on Instagram, follow at JNL100 <laughs> for Keith, cats wanna, and kids. You want to drop the the show Instagram? I know Justin already did it, but show Instagram. Don't ask me to do that because uh, sometimes I forget what I, our it's dragon love title it if is. You would at one one epi- one episode, just one week. Look, know it. I want to constantly call this Dungeons and Dragons hard. in my head. It's at Dragons. So. Follow us at Dragons and Dreadforts. Actually, Dragons Dreadforts, Dragons Dreadforts. Right. or yeah. Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> and we are not them, sadly. Support us, please. You can find me at uh, at Run underscore Forest underscore Run, but it's only one R on Forest. Forrest Gump. I understand the confusion there. I, I just, but run underscore Forrest one R underscore run. 
Find me on Instagram. Is this we your got great stuff. Running profile? Yeah. Yeah, he only posts like there. the Nike Plus screenshots. Because they're not of him. <laughs> you can also support us on Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash dragons dreadforts. And we will see you all next Ooh. week. Well, Can't wait. Us. I don't have anything this week.